With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hi, welcome to G2 Hardcore. And this is catch-up week since we had technical difficulties last time. And we've got a ton of news and a few comics to go over. Uh, but first I want to say hi to Tej. Hey, Tej. Hi, Holly. Hi, everybody. We can hear me today. Yay. <laughs> I had um, mild technical difficulties where I was talking, but nobody could hear me. So that was interesting. <laughs> you can go back and listen to the recording. It's quite hilarious. I'm going to be deleting that one, I think. But Oh, well. Okay. Oh, well. They'll just, some, somebody will click on it and be like, what? Is happening here. <laughs> right. Okay. So, um, let's see. We had the Dr. Pepper comics, which were really, really mm. good. It had Batman, Lois Lane, Lex Luthor, and the Senator that Holly Hunter Senator played. Senator Finch. <laughs> yeah. Why'd they choose that name? Anyway. I don't know. Um,. All the comics were good. They show where these people, mm-hmm. each character is coming from, and it makes you think, oh, this movie is going to be amazing because you see all the point of views here. You know, you don't get to right. see Clark, though. But um, so it's going to be interesting. I really yeah, well, am excited well, to, for the movie. Yeah, well, to a point, I think you don't see Batman or Superman's point of view. Because the Batman comic is just about these these thugs who are um, afraid of Batman and talking about Batman. And then Batman comes in through a window or something and he punches people. Um, But, you know, what was exciting for me um, was actually reading the Lex Luthor comic. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, everybody was sort of like, what? the hell is going on with Jesse Eisenberg in that second trailer? Uh, you know, where he's like, ah, boys, boys, ah, Bruce Wayne makes Clark and I love the people together. You know, and I was like, I was the only person that said, wait, we're going to see something different. It can't be only this for the entire movie. <laughs> and I was like secretly praying somewhere in the background, please, please be different. And I think what I liked, that was my third favorite comic from this entire bunch that came out. Um, Because I sort of understood where the senator was coming from, the Comic-Con trailer, right? Where she's like, well, you have to be held responsible. So I always knew she was going to be that sort of figurehead in the movie, and the comic just sort of uh, impacts that, you know? She she didn't go out of her way to... um, What's it? What? What's the word? Like reprimand Superman. You know, she took a meeting and she took everybody's votes, and it was a democratic decision. 
well, they should bring in Superman for questioning, which we'll see in the movie. Um, but I really liked Lex Luthor because in the middle of that comic, it just flips on its head. Uh, you can see Lex Luthor's disdain for Superman. Uh, you can see that he, he doesn't want to be compared to him. He doesn't, you know, Lex Luthor, um, the one thing I liked about All-Star Superman was Lex Luthor. Um, for me, it established him as, well, why is this guy a villain? You know, because I never really got Lex Luthor as a villain. Oh, my God. Like, really? But I, I hate Luthor. I hate Lex. No, like, like I never understood. Well, why is Lex Luthor being a villain? You know, he's the exact same sort of background as Batman, and I was, I was always wondering, well, yeah, why would he killed his want dad. to be a good guy? Yeah, he well, killed okay, his dad. So his parents died. Bruce's parents died. I didn't know. In an I alley, didn't but know Lex the, killed his own parents. I didn't know Lex killed his own parents. So I didn't yeah. know he was that dark. I just thought his parents died. And he was a billionaire who inherited, you know, he's a second-generation billionaire sort of thing. And I didn't understand, well, why didn't they make him like Batman, a hero as well, you know? But a hero who can, he doesn't have to dress up as a bat. He could be a, an industrialist, philanthropist, a true hero with his money, you know? And Don't worry, just wait for a rebirth. Hey. Don't even get me started. Let's just talk about the good thing before we talk about the iffy Yeah, thing. but you said Lex is a hero. I mean... No, I said I don't know why he was never made into a hero. And then I understood a long time afterwards when I discovered, oh, he killed his, his parents and things. And, oh, he's crazy. And he's nuts and stuff. And he's completely cuckoo. All that kryptonite sniffing. Stay away from it. Um, but I like how he turns dark in the middle of the book. It's like you can see the front he's putting up. I think Jesse Eisenberg went a bit overboard in the trailer. But um, I like it. I, it. It establishes Lex as a worthy villain for Superman, if you get what I mean. It's because I never thought Lex Luthor was a good enough villain for Superman up until Smallville, right? But that we had 10 seasons with Michael Rosenberg to establish that. And, you know, I didn't know if Jesse Eisenberg would be able to live up to Smallville for me. So the comic, if that's, you know, the, the guy who wrote it, what's his name? Um, something Gabe? Something with a C. Christos. Yes, Christos Gabe. Gabe, Gabe, Gabriel, what? Something. Gage. Gabe, Gage, something like that. That dude. <laughs> um, I think that he has the script, so he can obviously see Lex Luthor's character arc in the script. And if it's going, and I, I really hope Jesse Eisenberg will be able to bring a darker side to it, a villainous side that we got with Michael Rosenberg. I mean, that guy was scary. And then my second favorite was um, Superman because... There wasn't a Superman comic. There was? With Dr. Pepper? There wasn't. No. There was. 
What number was it? It's, um, hold on. I've got it right here. I never saw it. I have it. You, you didn't see the Superman one with the train and stuff where the people are talking about him? No. Hey? Holly, you didn't read the best, like the second well, best I'm one. Well, I'm sorry, but nobody passed <laughs> it along. All I got was one I, through four. I will send you, yeah, the uh, chapter four is Superman. Well, I thought the senator was four. I will send you a link now to it. Uh, there is a Superman. There is a Superman one. Uh, since Holly has not read it, I'll talk about it. Um, it's based, basically, there's this train that is uh, out of control. It's an electronic train, so the controls aren't responding. It's frizzing, and everybody's like, oh, no, we're going to die. And then you see this blue and red blur, and people are, like, smiling. And they're like, no, we're not. And you see a Henry Cavill version of this um, comic book Superman, and he's looking in glorious form. And you have basically, it's a very intelligent story. You have um, an analyst at a TV station talking to um, specialists in their field. Uh, I think it's a scientist guy. And they're talking about, you know, all the decisions Superman has to make to save this train. The split-second decisions he has to make to calculate the velocity, how much of strength he should apply, what he should do to not cause the dis uh, derailment of the train, what he should do to cause uh, no discomfort to the people inside the train. And he's got a limited amount of time. And what can he do? And it's, you know, it's a story about basically how Superman has to make all these calculations, all these second decisions, and what type of, um, the, you know, um, his actions prove again and again that if such a man must exist, we are extremely lucky that it is Superman. And it's, you know, it's just about these two people, or three people in this new station talking about how fascinating and how um, super Superman is. And it's just a wonderful story. It shows that in the time of, um, you know, in between Man of Steel and um, this movie, Batman v Superman, that he's been actually behind the scenes helping people. And he's been getting stuff done. And he's been, I don't know, saving kittens from trees and things. And that's what Superman's supposed to do. And it, it shows the commitment, I would say, and the... Um, I mean, we always talk about this. Superman can only be in one place at one time, saving he, because he's still a man. As super as he may be, he's still a man. And so it just talks about that, that, you know, we're extremely lucky to have a person like Superman. 
And I'm sending Holly the link now. Yeah, I hadn't gotten it yet. I'm copying it. I'm going to Twitter. I'm pasting it. Well, that's okay. <laughs> Let's move on. Um, we've got tons of stuff to talk about. Yeah, but it's it's a really good, you know, for a very long time I haven't read a Superman that's just heroic and just saving people, even if it's from a tree, you know, or, or a train that, that's out of control or whatever. It's just fantastic. Yeah. Um, Christos Gage also wrote Bizarro, Far for Bizarro in the Adventures <clears throat> of Superman book. So if you want to see another good example of his work, that would be one to get. It was originally mm-hmm. digital, and then it went into print. Yep. That's a really good story as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and the Lost Lane one, the Lost Lane one, basically, it got the highest reviews from all the people that reviewed uh, the comics. It got 9.5, 9, uh, 8 out of 10, it got nothing lower than seven out of seven point five out of ten. Who gave it seven point um, five? Oh, a full man site. A known full man site. Uh, I think it was um, what's it? Weird science. Really? Because they use. I mean, they've been digging the. Um... No, not it wasn't weird science. It was the other one. I'm trying to think. Was it Comic Vine? Not Comic or Vine. CBS? If it was, then Matt, Matt Inferego, yeah, Matt interview, uh, did, did the review, not not G-Man. Yeah. No, 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 it wasn't G-Man, no. It was, it was, uh, no, because I was like, who gave it 7 out of, 7 out of, 7 out of, 7.5 out of 10? And um, Maya said, no, no, don't even look there, that's, that's a foeman site. And I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, well, that's not a foeman site, so. Well, anyway, and, yeah, um, the highest it got was 9.5, and I told the person, dude, give it a 0.5 more. I am giving you permission to give it a 0.5 more because it is a 10 out of 10 comic. It is Lois Lane tracking down a corrupt person who stole technology from the Black Zero fight, was selling it on the black market. Um, This ties into... Everybody is saying the origins of Cyborg because it's affecting human life, the technology that he's selling black market. Um, And she's like, I've got proof. Here's your Cayman Islands account. Here's the money. Here's the transfers. Bam. And he pulls a gun on her and she's like, I really contacted the police and the NSA and all these people and like my father in the military and all these people. And so you guys just put the gun away and then when he looks out the window because the police siren went past in Metropolis City, she's like, hi-ya! And she cut, he chops him, takes the gun and kicks him in balls and she's like, amateur. That's the, that's the lowest lane comic. If we get a hint of that, and if she punches Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor in the nose, no, on big screen, no, I'm sorry, kicking him in the balls, okay, him well, in the balls for him flicking her head and saying she has a small mind. Okay, we can do that as well because we don't need Lex Luthor Jr. 
Well, and here's the other thing. Okay, you know what my son said about Jesse Eisenberg in that trailer? Mm-hmm. He says, He's now we're going to see. Huh? That's apparently, not what he according said. To, well, apparently, according to everybody um, in the Hollywood business that know Jesse and that know Max, they say this is Jesse's um, sort of, what's the word, parody of Max Landis. This is the way Max Landis acts around people at Hollywood parties and stuff. So, and this is like from people that know him. This is from people on Screen Junkies, uh, the Weekly Planets and that sort of thing. And they're like, according to, you know, the inner circle that these guys run in, because Jesse's worked with uh, Max Landis, this is how Max Landis acts, so I'm like, okay, whatever. I don't know these two, but that's the rumor that's going around, so just thought I'd share with everyone. Oh, never mind. What did your son say? What did your son say? Do we have, no, never mind. Uh, Dr. Pepper comics, are we done with those? Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, if you can, go out and buy Dr. Pepper and support the comic. Um, you can throw the Dr. Pepper down the drain if you don't want to drink it. <laughs> we collect the cans. Collect the cans. They're pretty, very pretty cans. If I could, I would collect them. Okay. Um... We also got a the final Batman v Superman trailer. Yes. Um, apparently, everybody's back on board with this movie after this trailer. Um, basically, all the people that complained that they saw too much of the movie with the second trailer um, basically said, this is the perfect trailer. And I'm like, it shows you more footage. What are you even talking about? <laughs> what are you high on coke or what? Um, but anyway, uh, it starts off with um, Alfred being very sassy and very British and very witty and just completely dry British humor, which I love because that is my sort of humor. I grew up in a very uh, British medium school, so I I love that sort of humor. And um, he's like, oh, Master Wayne, you know, there's two dozen hostiles on the third floor, I'll drop you off in the second. And then Batman does his thing, uh, you know, it's like a Arkham Asylum game. It's a very well choreographed fight scene, I must say. Uh, for From the Batman side of me, that's a Bat fan, Finally, we get a Batman that can actually move and can actually fight like he, how he's supposed to in those Neil Adams comics and stuff. Um, I like the music to this um, trailer. It's it's a uh, gets you excited. It's this this uh, fast paced sort of rock and rollish sort of Hans Zimmer on his guitar sort of thing going with Junkie XL there. Um, there's a bit of, um, I think, Fury Road. Fury Road, Ma- Mad Max Fury Road. Um, I always call it Road Fury for some odd reason. But anyway, um, there's very little Lex Luthor in this trailer, uh, probably because he was a nutcase in the last one. Um, 
And then there's your favorite scene, Holly, where the where the Batmobile comes in and Superman's just standing there all pretty in the headlights. You want to talk about that one? It's um, <laughs> basically what we saw in the last trailer, only they chopped mm-hmm. it up. So the impact yeah. isn't quite the same. So. Ah, but you still love seeing that Batmobile. I love the, the, the sound effects that it makes because when it hits Superman... Superman is indestructible, people, right? So the Batmobile, in all its force, in all its drumbling glory, hits Superman, right? And it makes thunk. It actually, the sound effect it makes is thunk, and then it goes, and it blows up. And uh, it... Every time I listen to that, ever since I talked to Holly about how she just loves it, hitting Superman and going, weep, 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 I, the only sound effect I hear on those, on those scenes is dunk, and I, I burst into laughter. I don't, and everybody's like, this is such a serious moment. How are you laughing? And I'm like, that's Batman's greatest symbol right there. It's the Batmobile. And Superman just had to stand there and look pretty and it completely got destroyed. And it's, it's, listen, for five years we have suffered with Batman gets everything and I've been completely and utterly irritated because I am a Bat fan. I want to be a Bat fan, but DC have given Batman everything, so I was a bit irritated with them. And so seeing the Batmobile getting smashed up was hilarious for me. Uh, then we get the best scene in the entire trailer. It's 1.2, 1.3 seconds long, but it is Clark Kent diving, fully clothed from head to toe, diving straight into a bar with Lois Lane, and she is giggling, and he just cannot contain himself. And so he goes in fully clothed into this bar to just kiss his lady love. And it completely and utterly killed everybody who does not love Lois. Uh, Lois and Superman being with Lois in any wake and form. And it brought out from the woodwork. I don't know where these people came from, where you have been. Please stick around. So stay with us. It brought out out of the woodworks a whole bunch of close lovers, and everybody's like, this scene, this scene is the best scene in this trailer. It is the most talked about. I'm not making this up. Uh, This was on several, you know, big people on YouTube, their reactions when they were talking about this. This was the most tweeted to them, most talked about, most hollered, most... um, screamed at, most squealed at scene in the trailer. This 1.2 seconds of pure bliss for any close lover. Um, yeah, that, that's the best part of the trailer. And then we get uh, more Batman v Superman. Superman flicks Batman away in one scene. Uh, we get more Wonder Woman, we actually hear her speak this time, which was 
Uh, I love Gal Gadot's voice. I'm ready for her. I'm ready to to love Wonder Woman. I'm pretty sure she's going to make me like Wonder Woman again because I used to be a big fan of Wonder Woman. Well, not big. I wouldn't say big. I used to be a fan of Wonder Woman in the Justice League animated series. And the DC, YOU, New 52, all that has completely ruined her for me. But hearing Gal Gadot speak as Wonder Woman and then seeing her charge into battle, she does this, this like battle cry and this leap into battle, sword at the ready, shield up and everything. And yeah, I'm, I'm ready to like Wonder Woman. So I'm ready for Gal. You bring it, Gal. Uh, we get more of the parademons and dark side and the whole dream thing that's forecasting the Justice League movie. Uh, we get Lois in this body of water and above her you can see like um, Superman's heat vision through the water. So he's obviously uh, shooting at something while she's under the water. A lot of people say this is the scene where she and... Jason Momoa actually interact because she said that she had seen uh, Jason in his full Aquaman attire. You know, blonde dreadlocks, trident in his hand and everything. So hopefully we get to see uh, Aquaman. We haven't seen Aquaman other than the, the toys. Um... But yeah, uh, the trailer looks good. I was ready for this movie when they announced that it was coming out. Uh, before, like when they showed that that symbol in Comic Con and they said it's it's coming, I was like, I'm ready. Bring it. Every single announcement after that has made me even more happy. When they announced Ben Affleck as Batman, I was like, yes, perfect choice. When they announced Jason Momoa as Aquaman, I was like, not my pick, but. I, that is a fantastic find. Where did you, you, whoever cast him should be given a bonus. Um, when they cast Gal Gadot as, as Wonder Woman, I was like, I've only seen her in the past and the Furious, so she's got a lot to prove, but she's proved it already to me. And yeah, every time I keep tweeting this to Zack Snyder, that give us more clothes. We just need a spill of them. And he gives us stuff in the trailer, and I'm like, leave some clothes moment for the movie. And so, you know, I'm ready for this movie. It comes out in in um, a few days over a month because today's the 22nd uh, or 21st in America. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm ready. Bring me the movie. I have my T-shirt ready. I have my 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 jacket in case it gets cold. I've got a cap. I've got my cell phone cover. I've got Everything is ready. I just need the movie now to come out. And it's coming out on Good Friday weekend. So go out and buy your tickets and watch the movie. Yes. Holly? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it was a great trailer. Um, I've watched it a billion times. I made my oh, kid watch it yeah. a few times. Um, every, so, every time I open the YouTube app, it just says, do you want to watch this again? And the first video is the Batman v Superman trailer. So. <laughs> okay. So, also they had posters. Um, mm. 
they showed from a, a lobby somewhere, the Grove or something, and mm-hmm. you have Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Lois Lane, and Lex Luthor posters. And Alfred. And Alfred, yeah. Yeah. It's the way I love the way it's set though, because it's Batman, Alfred, Superman, next to Lois Lane, right in the middle. Those two are the first ones. It's, apparently, it's in a train station or something. And so, as soon as you walk out of the train, the first thing you see is Superman and Lois Lane next to each other. And I was like, yes, where is this train station in the world? Give them an award, you know. And then you have Lex Luthor and Wonder Woman on the other end. So, yeah, I'm ready. I want that poster online, though. Warner Brothers, if you're listening, HD version of it, please. We need some Lois Lane. Yep, we do. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. We also got the solicits for May. Um, as we know, yeah. Tomasi is writing 51 and 52. He's writing all four books, Batman, Superman, Action, Superman, Wonder Woman, and Supes. Uh, apparently, Supes starts it and ends it. So the order of the books, on the when they usually come out in the month, is all screwed up. I don't know why. Um, but, um, because, like, Kara is, she's in Superman Wonder Woman number 29, um, and previous to that, which comes out the 18th, which is the, next to the last week of May, but before that, the week before that, in, um, Action 52, which comes out the second week, we have um, two supermen meet at last. Finally, we're getting this super loser meets the real soups. Um, a force seeking to end both men of steel brings them together, but divided they may fall as one superman must choose the safety of his family before himself. Um, yeah. I, yeah. And there's stuff taking place in China. They're fighting the Great Ten. Um, Tomasi's writing this, okay. Um, mm. also, so in the last Superman book before Rebirth, um, they say, we got an additional sentence that we hadn't seen before. Anyway, it says, the Super League epic concludes in one explosive fight. Oh, big surprise. As the new <laughs> ma- master villain uses, now we got a new master villain. Mm. What's he going to be? Just Superman. Yeah. Like we don't have enough. Superman's own super flare for... Huh? I said we have so many villains in the Superman universe right now. I I can't even keep track. So, sorry for interrupting. Um, let's see. New master villain uses Superman's own solar super flare power against everyone. Can even two Superman, Supergirl, Wonder Woman, and Batman be enough to stop this onslaught? Oh, and here's the little addition they gave us. And will the outcome of this battle change Lois Lane's life forever? 
excuse me, her life was changed forever in the beginning of the new 52. So what is mm-hmm. the big dealio now? What was it some kind of bone or something? What is the deal? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, uh, I am sick and tired of New 52. Um, they have used Lois Lane as a scapegoat, as a mat to wipe their feet on, as a fishing lure to lure her fans in, you know, only to stab us in the back and then twist the knife trying to get to our hearts. And I'm done. I could care less. You know, I obviously care what they're going to do to Lois Lane. But the thing is, she hasn't been in the Superman stories for so long, right, that everybody else is not going to care what you do to this version of Lois Lane because they don't know her. Well, no, I mean, because they totally, you know, put, kicked her to the curb, used her for a punching bag, you know, um, used her as a betrayer, and never gave her point of view or anything whatsoever, you know. They just totally screwed up the myth, so whatever. Um, Superman, Lois and Clark, number eight, will be the last issue of that book in mm-hmm. May, on May 18th. Um <sighs> This is not the cover for it. Just by well, the no. way. I would yeah. hope not. Oh, we don't this need Batman the on the damn thing. This is the cover for the book coming out next week. Because Lee Weeks was like, why did they put this cover up? And so he tweeted very discreetly, this is the pencil to Lois and Clark number five, the cover. And everybody was like, ah, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, DC has never really gotten any Superman covers right. Oh, except their, 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 you know, John Romita Jr. covers. Well, even his, no. They use panels from his previous work as a cover for in the, in the, on the gallery and stuff. And you're sitting there going, okay, so. And sometimes they use them more than once. Yeah. And you're sitting there going, the why am I cover. getting this crap? Yeah, they use the same cover of him super wanking in Fotty, in front of his super friends, when he got drunk, um, that, that was it. That was what happened in that issue. Uh, <laughs> they used that for three months in a row. And they, yeah. they like, didn't update the, the covers at all. And then they had the gall to put a panel from a, from a previously released comic as a cover <laughs> in the solicits because I don't know, J.R.J. was too busy looking at himself in the mirror or something. I don't know. I mean, like I said, they have not gotten Superman covers right, period. So, mm-hmm. um, Kal-El's world is falling apart as Inner Gang makes its final move against Lois. And there's an exclamation point, too. And the cosmic threat that is Hyathus, which must be the chick going after the Oblivion Stone has come to Earth in search of a power source that will give her dominion over her enemies. Now the future of an entire planet may rest with Superman's young son, John. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Also, let's see. I was going to wanted to do American Alien first. Oh, here we go. Also, the last issue of American Alien number seven comes out in May. After a massive explosion rocks downtown Metropolis, Clark finds himself face to face with a white-skinned alien riding a flying motorcycle, and the eyes of the world are all on this so-called Superman. But when Clark's attempt at reason fails, and the bounty hunter reveals some unpleasant truth about Clark's own alien origin, a brutal showdown begins. Um, let's see. So... That's another book that's going to end. So that's two books on my pull list that will be no more. Yep. Also, um, Neil Adams, we just got a preview of his first work, which comes out next week. He will be on issue number four, and there will be five and six after that, and then it's done. Um mm-hmm. Fry, Superman Fry, the battle between Calabac and Superman rages on as the denizens of Apocalypse cheer. And Darkseid's homeworld unleashes a weapon that will permanently transmute the Terrian solar system. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, cool. yeah, Sounds my exciting. pull list is going to be kind of short after May. Yeah. Well, listen, I buy American Alien in the following month when it gets cheaper digitally. Um, because I know this is well, this is partially DC's fault, partially not DC's fault, but their comics are expensive for international people. I mean, three ninety nine US dollars may not be a lot for US people, but for me, it's eighty bucks. So yeah, it's it's a, you know my comic book um, budget for a month is a hundred. So that's eighty percent of my budget gone in one comic, and yeah. I know it's it, it's sort of not DC's fault, but it is sort of their fault because they make it comics three ninety nine. Um, the two ninety nine comics, if they had more two ninety nine comics, it would be more affordable for me, because it would be um fifty and fifty, which is my budget, so I could get two. But yeah, I buy American Alien the next month because it then reduces in price digitally, which makes it a bit cheaper for me. Um, but yeah, th- those are on my pull list. I buy them when I get the money. So those will be going off my pull list. I yeah. won't be buying any. You know, uh, uh, I'll have to see how Neil Adams's uh, comic is because I got like, you know, they say a bone in months. I got a bone in the month when he released a little snippet thing saying that Jim Lee was giving him script advice. And I'm like, Duff, what? WTF, what is going on here? Yeah, because Jim Lee's no writer, let's face it. Jim Lee wouldn't know how to write a script if a ghostwriter came and did it for him, Okay. He doesn't know how to draw either on time. <laughs> so there's a thing. And I was like, well, then I sort of sat back after my initial shock and I tweeted it to Holly. I was like, oh, my God, what is happening? Oh, no, Holly. Oh, no, what is happening here? Is he trying to mess with this like he did with Unchained? And um, 
I sort of think, Neil, I, I was telling Holly this in the show that didn't get recorded. Um, but Neil Adams is Neil Adams. He knows what he has done for DC Comics. He revolutionized DC Comics and made them comics that are relevant to people. Um, you know, he, he, is, he is a legend. He is like what Stanley is to Marvel, you know, that sort of thing. He, he may not have invented all these characters or whatever, but he changed them. He modernized them. He gave them a breath of fresh air. And I'm saying, well, will Neil Adams really go and be like, yeah, Jim Lee, give me some script advice. I'd be like, no. He's releasing a very polite thing, whatever you call it, uh, press release, there we go, saying that, yo, this dude tried to mess with my stuff. This is why it's been delayed for so long. This is why it took you three years almost to get it. It's not because of me. It's not because I'm slow. It's not because I don't have a good work work ethic. It's because Jim Lee was fiddling in the stew and trying to add his own ingredients that don't belong there. But this, and then he ends the the the, the thing on his website and on his Facebook, and he says. This is your Superman. And I'm sticking by that. I'm sticking by what he has been posting on his Facebook, what he has been promising, what he has been talking about, and I'm hoping that Neil Adams delivers my Superman. From what I have seen, with everything that he has tweeted out, everything that he's put on Facebook, because remember, DC don't have any PR money for Superman. So Neil Adams had to go out and do his own PR work. He had to put it on his own website. He had to go on, put it on Facebook. And he was like, hey, you kids out there, you know, go put it on all your social media. You know, I told him, you should get like an Instagram. And he's like, no, nah, no, nah, you post it on Instagram. I'm like, okay, okay. I'll go post it on Instagram if you need letters. And he had to go and work. He printed out of his own pocket posters to send to comic book stores because DC didn't have the money to to print posters and send to comic book stores to promote a comic that is coming out with their flagship character, with one of the legends of DC Comics. They didn't have money to print posters, so he printed them, you know, himself. Some of the comic book stores asked for, you know, special artwork, and he printed it, and he gave it to them. And he's like, here, just promote Superman, the coming of the Superman. And so I'm sticking by it. He says, this is your Superman. I'm hoping it's my Superman. Yeah, I I don't know. Jim Lee just needs to keep his nose off Superman. Yeah, you know... There was this rumor coming out of the rebirth that Jim Lee's going to be on Suicide Squad. I was like, uh, keep him the fuck as far as way as possible from Superman as possible. Put him on anything else. Put him on Scooby-Doo. Right? He, apparently he wants to ruin Scooby-Doo and he's making it Scooby-Doo the apocalypse. What happens when the, t- when the teens have to go out and I'm, 
If he wants to ruin Scooby-Doo, let him go and ruin Scooby-Doo. It's fine. I, you know, I have no... Uh, if Scooby-Doo gets ruined in comic book form, I have no... I'm not going to sit and cry about it. You know, let him go and, I don't know, go further with Batman or, or Suicide Squad or whatever it is. Let him go there. Stay away from Superman as far as possible. Um, with all the stuff that's being said in Rebirth, which I think is the next thing we'll talk about. Um, with all the stuff that's being said there, I hope to hell it isn't another uh, what's it, pony show that, you know, dog and pony show that they do, and they're not just spinning us, trying to get us old readers back. You know, I hope this is genuine from them, and they're genuinely working their butts off to get their old readers back and their legacy fans back, because DC Comics, you know, is nothing without legacy, without history. And the New 52 just proved that. Yeah, I did want to mention numbers. Uh, numbers suck. Oh, and, I forgot. Um, <laughs> um, They're not worth mentioning. <laughs> okay, we'll just move on. No, um, no, I'm joking, I'm joking. They're like so bad. It's like the only p- people that gained was, I think, Superman, Lois, and Clark. Ooh. Pretty much. Pretty much. Ooh. So, man, Lois and Clark gaining people? What? Yeah, they gained over their second issue, so. Um, and uh, so, yeah. Batman and Superman with Tom Taylor. Yes. He's trying to dig them out of that hole. Um, it's a good read, and we'll talk about that tonight, too. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so. Um, Jeff Johns came out. This week <laughs> with a video stating um, that it was about rebirth. It was a video that was presented to the retailers. I believe it was in Oregon, Portland, I think, um, about Portland, what they're yeah. What, yeah what they're going to do for um, this rebirth thing. And I'm trying to find. You would think on all the, I could do a search on Rebirth and it would pop up the list. But no, this is on the DC Comics website. So they're going to make me hunt for it. <laughs> Holly, you and idiot. Holly, Holly versus the DC Comics website. Well, two. does that make sense to you? That should be on the very front page. It should be on the home page. Let's see if it is. No, it's uh, not. No, it's not. No. No, why would we do that? Why would we put this big announcement we've had on the very front why page? Would, why would we do any PR work? We got no money for that. Yeah. Whatever. So, well, then I'll have to get a CBR. Um, which I shouldn't have to do. Um, but they had a, they actually sent out a press release. I can't even find the press Mm -hmm. release. Crazy, crazy, crazy. So anyway, um, Mm -hmm. Jeff came out and said, (laughs) 
Well, I don't have of all, the, of all the things to put it on, the strangest place to find it. <laughs> okay, so um, Jeff comes out and talks about how they're going to do this rebirth thing. And rebirth is an important word to him because he rebirthed Hal Jordan and he rebirthed the Flash. And he talks a little bit about how they took the Green Lanterns, who had been reduced to almost nothing, and brought them all in, um, even, um, what's his name, Guy Gardner. Um, and Everybody. De- yeah, and developed the Green Lantern Corps that next, eventually had the Sinestro Corps, which led to uh, Blackest Night. And then mm-hmm. he talked about the Flash rebirth, which he did, um, which gave Barry, you know, his mother died, his father was uh, arrested for the crime, and, you know, Barry wanted to prove his father innocent, blah, blah, blah. So so that's a very important word to Jeff, because these were, I mean, my son said that the Flash rebirth was one of his best works. And mm-hmm. so... Oh, yeah. Uh, for me, um, the Hanson rebirth and the Flash rebirth is basically what got me into comics as well because it was bringing back these characters, but you didn't need to know who Hal Jordan was. When I grew up, I the only Green Lantern I had was John Stewart on the animated series and Kyle Rayner in the comics. And so... I mean, if you if you really want, I I will suggest to anybody to read Green Lantern Rebirth and Flash Rebirth because they are tremendously good works, and it does it it adds this word that DC was trying to run away from. It adds legacy to the characters, right? And that's what. Jeff was talking about, he says that, in fact, in the beginning of, he has an 80-page one-shot called Rebirth Number 1, where the narrator Mm -hmm. talks about, you know, uh, he loves this universe, but there's something missing. And basically what was missing was legacy. So Mm -hmm. he, um, so this is what my impression of this. Okay, they... New 52, DC Entertainment, has been drowning for, a, let's say, a good three years now. Um, mm. I mean, the first initial year, yeah, but then that, I mean, even a, up after issue four for some characters, everybody's like, I don't know about this. Because usually it takes three issues for the for the um, fan base to go, I don't know. So, anyway, so, and... So one article gave me the impression, see, Jeff has an office in Burbank, right, in the D.C. Entertainment mm-hmm. offices, and he's busy. He's a busy guy. He takes care of the television shows. He takes care of the films, which he has how many series now on one hand for TV and how many series of films has he got going on all at the same time. So let's, let's, We can count that. I mean, he's got Flash, Arrow, Supergirl. Gotham, iZombie, um, that other thing, Constantine, um, Lucifer, that's already seven TV series going on. 
Then he's got an entire DC slate of movies. He's currently in London um, on the Wonder Woman set because they needed him there. So the dude, I, I'm like, when does he sleep? Does he even sleep? Is he just got a, an IV full of caffeine running straight into his veins so that he doesn't plop down and die, you know? Um, the man is extremely busy. He's got Batman v Superman coming out in a month's time. After that, he's got the Wonder. Uh, he's got Suicide Squad. He's got Wonder Woman, Justice League, Aquaman, <laughs> Green Lantern, Flash, Justice League Part Two, a Batman and a Superman solo movie. That's ten movies in five years that he's going to have to make, uh, help them pop, pop out. He's an extremely busy man. Hello? Did I get cut off? No. Still going? Okay. Holly must be busy. But yeah. Sorry. You know, it's um, wrong button. Okay. <laughs> I was just wondering. I was like, am I gone? Is Holly there? Uh-huh. Um, so, anyway, we've got, so, it was my impression from this article that since he is basically pulling DC Entertainment comic books out of the depths of despair, um, they had to go to his office to talk to him about this stuff. Mm-hmm. Which is like all the the editorial staff, you know, and so they could get this thing off the ground. And basically, it seems to me, like, and we've said this pretty much from day one, first year when we were doing uh, G2 Factor, we were waiting for Jeff Johns to make his move. Because Mm. we're like, this is not working at all. When's Mm -hmm. Johns going to do something about it? Because, you know, we know he loves these characters, he loves this universe. I think Dan DiDio loves the universe as well, but he just doesn't, you know, if it's not Batman, he just doesn't know, unless it's some obscure um, characters he read when he was, you know, fanboy, in his fanboy days, you know, he doesn't, you know, everybody else can just, you know, he there's certain characters we know he doesn't like, blah, blah, blah. Jim Lee, forget it when it comes to the DCU. It's, you know, he's he's, he was an artist for hire, basically. And, you know, and so he was into whatever he was drawing, kind of, you know. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so Jeff Johns was our only hope. Now, Jeff, who has who's got these spinning plates going all the time, now he's got to pull the comics out of the deep trench that they're in. Mm-hmm. And... um. It just seemed to me that, you know, to me, it looked like Jeff was like, I love these characters and everything, but and we've really got to get this to work. So we'll see if it works. But I don't really, I don't know. They're going to price all this stuff at two ninety nine now, except 
for like what the rebirth book, which is eighty pages. I don't think that's two ninety nine, is it? That's that's four ninety nine. Yeah, but it's a Five one bucks. shot, so yeah. But it's also eighty pages. They were charging five bucks for thirty-two pages of a Lois Lane book, which didn't get any PR. Mm, most, oh, we were supposed to have fifty pages of that. Remember? Well, it was forty-two. Yeah, I didn't get whatever. It. <laughs> um, one thing that they did. Okay, some of the stuff that they pulled at the beginning of the new fifty-two, which you know, it's new. It's new. It you know, and that's always oh, we changed things. We changed. It's new. You know, I'm like, new schmoo, you know, so what, you you don't change things just for the sake of change. Well, apparently, hopefully, they've learned their lesson about that one. So, Action Comics and Detective Comics, Action Comics was the first DC Comics book. Um, a detective technically was, but Action Comics um, had... Yeah, it was up to 9.04. When last we saw Action Comics with Clark and Lois at the end saying, you know, oh, they'll be together, you know, someday again, blah, 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 or they always come together or whatever. Yeah, didn't happen in the 52, did it? Mm-mm. So um, <laughs> it, they both, Action and Detective, which at one point during its uh, legacy was going to be canceled. <laughs> Um, action will be reset to 9.57, which would include the zero issue that mm-hmm. um, uh, Morrison did, because it's a numbered yeah, because, issue. Yeah, because Kimmy and I were trying to do addition on this, <laughs> and we were like, we're coming up one shot, and I'm like, well, DC can't do math. And she's like, yeah, definitely. And then Holly types up, there's a zero issue. And we're like, oh, oh. <laughs> forgot about yeah. that one. <laughs> yeah, you don't count annuals. You don't count, you know, but you do count the zero Forever issues. Evil 23.1, 23.2. That was right. Stupid. No. Yeah. <laughs> so... um. And Detective will be set back to 9.34. Now, those two books are part of the bi-weeklies. So mm-hmm. in 12 months, if they continue those to be bi-weekly, actually that's 26 issues. Every other week is 26 issues. So 52 weeks in a year. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. See, Holly, Holly passed now. That's not as fast asleep. Digital's fast asleep in the back of the car. <laughs> when am I going to need this? But the thing about it is, will they keep them bi-weekly uh, for you know, more than a year or two? That's I don't the think they'll so be they able can to. Meet. I don't think they'll be able to. No, I don't think People will complain either. because, okay, fair enough, they're making the comics 299 Yeah, fair enough, they're making the two comics 299 It's two ninety nine times two per month. People be bankrupt yeah. by then. It's six times twenty. Well, so mm. it's three times twenty-six. So in a year, they'd be be spending seven, eight bucks. Mm, mm, mm. Um. Okay. <laughs> but the thing about it is, is that 
everybody, when they did the new 52 and they sent them all back to number ones, were like, action is at 904, you morons. Don't you want Mm -hmm. 1,000? Oh, no, no, we're going back to number We're all like, you are morons, okay? That kind of made everybody kind of like, what? Well, new readers will appreciate a number one, new readers. New readers, new readers, new readers. That's all we heard about was freaking new readers. And then they had to jostle the numbers for those who were new readers with only 2%. And that was probably multiplying it by 12. So (laughs) anyway, so that's one thing they're fixing. They're going to put Action and Detective back to their original numbering system. Now, Superman was, what, 700-something? can't remember. But here's the thing. Action went weekly for a while uh, during the 90s. And the other thing about Action is that it originally it was an anthology book. It wasn't just Superman in it. It mm. had other characters yep. in it. Same thing when they went weekly. You didn't have Superman in every one of those books. You had Green Lantern or Flash or somebody. So... It probably, since, you know, Jeff talked about the Justice Society of America, there's no Justice Society of America book in this rebirth list. list. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking that those kind of characters and stuff will go into action if they make an an anthology again, especially with it being biweekly. So that, if they do that, then somebody put their, their thinking caps on. And it probably was Jeff Johns. Um, Listen, okay. I, I love what Jeff Johns says that he understands people will be skeptical. And he says, You're entitled to that. We have to prove ourselves to you. I'm finally right. loving that because it's like, Somebody knows. Aha, somebody put their thinking cap on. Yeah, I mean, oh come on, it's, it, that's so that's so much more realistic than ignoring people. Well, we're going for future readers this time. That's why we're doing DCYOU. We're like, yeah. and the future readers, like the new readers were. It's just you yeah, guys I, want, doing what you want to do. It's nothing to do with any readers. I said back when DCYOU started, I said it will not last a year. It killed the new Fifty Two. Yeah. Thank you, God, for bringing the DC. Oh, we suffered through the truth arc. We are suffering through it again. We will suffer through the Super League. But if it brings us a rebirth that is worthy of DC Comics, well, then I am pretty ha- pretty darn happy about it. And, you know, I love that Jeff Jones acknowledged that there is a lowest name fandom out there because... Yeah. He says straight off the bat, you know, um, CBR interviewed him because they got the exclusive C- uh, interview. And he says, you know, he mentions all these characters and he says, Lois Lane, all these characters from DC's history is somebody's favorite. And yeah. we can't ignore that. Yeah. And I love that. Because you and don't then think she's I, hot enough for you, Jim Lee. And then... I I tweeted Jeff Johns two tweets on his um, because he was talking to a lot of people, replying to a lot of people in the rebirth. Um, he was probably waiting for that article to drop, and he was like on his phone in London. 
waiting to see what was happening. Why is he in London? Uh, for the Wonder Woman movie. He's on oh. set. It's filming okay. in London. Um, and so I tweeted him two tweets. I said, thank you, Jeff Johns. I can trust in you to make DC Comics great again. And then I said, and thanks for the Lois Lane mention. And he saved that tweet. So hmm. I'm kind of happy yeah. about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Okay, so this is what we're going to be getting, besides the 80-page Rebirth number one, which I think comes out in May, actually. Be- yes, just May before, 25th. Yeah, May, May 25th. So in June, we're going to get Rebirth specials of Aquaman Rebirth number one, Batman Rebirth number one, The Flash Rebirth number one, Green Arrow Rebirth number one, Green Lanterns, Lanterns, plural, Rebirth number one, Superman Rebirth number one, Titans Rebirth number one, Wonder Woman Rebirth number one. Now, is Tomasi writing Superman? No okay, idea. We will. They said that okay, they these are, are reshuffling. Yes, they are reshuffling the entire creative team, and we will know at WonderCon. Uh, I don't know when is WonderCon. I don't know what is May. WonderCon. March. Uh. I, okay, March. Okay. I don't know what is one to come. We got a month. Um, In fact, it's like a couple days after the movie comes out or one day. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So they'll, they'll have like the movie buzz to, to push their their thing right. with. Right. Um, DC will be doing a live, uh, what's it? Stream. Uh, announcement. Stream. Yeah, a live feed, a live stream. announcement on their YouTube channel, so that's great because people like me stuck in South Africa can't go to WonderCon. Um, we well, can I can't either. Who can afford that crap? Okay. Yeah, who can afford going to cons anyway? Especially um, California. My gosh. I wouldn't go to California. I'd be scared to breathe the air. Talk about costing a pretty penny. <laughs> so we'll be getting the creative teams. They said don't believe any rumors. Just John's tweet, I don't believe any rumors we will announce all the teams. Because this yes. came out when some, but some idiot wanted to kill all the Lois Lane fans, so he tweeted out, Meredith Finch is going to be writing a Superwoman comic with Lois Lane. And I was like, holy shit, we out of the frying pan into the fire. I was well, like, it's like, no. that was like, if they really do that, that's the most insincere thing that they've ever done. You know, oh, uh, we're trying to I fix things. From, oh, here we are. Here's Meredith Finch. I think from the reaction, they're not going to do that because David no. Finch uh, deleted his Twitter after that and um, Meredith Finch locked her account for a, for a day or something because people were going nuts with her. Right. Um, and so I think DC was like, don't believe any of the rumors, you know. Um, and I think from the reaction that was on Twitter, they would have been like, oh, shit, well, even if we were dreaming about this on our high of drugs there, we're not going to even do it. Um, but, yeah, he said all well, the creative teams will be announced at WonderCon. So we right. don't know who's doing what. Hmm. Right. There's rumors flying around, but we don't know for sure. Um, one yeah. of the things was Rich Johnson from Ble- Bleeding Cool was going to cover the um, retailers' conference. 
Um, so we were counting on him to, you know, give us some info. Well, apparently he listened to one of his prankster friends who came out with that announcement about Finch writing Wonder Woman, or Lois Lane. Um, and then he had to apologize. You know, that literally could have could have put a kibosh to what Jeff had just tried to do. He's trying to entreat us to trust them one more time. We're trying to get it right. Please, you know, don't give up on us because, you know, 22% of the market sucks. And this guy, a friend of Rich Johnston, pretty much tried to sabotage that, you know, and Rich was scrambling because he believed the dude, and then then he had to turn around and go, no, 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 that was just no one of my friends acting like a a hole. So mm-hmm. <laughs> he went around. He went around. I feel very sorry for him. He went around apologizing to all these like major Lois Lane accounts, um, and people who are like, well, what? he better because. <laughs> He's not going to get any info ever again if he allowed that to continue, that hoax to continue. And you know, it was, screws his it screws his credibility too, because usually does, when we does. read something on Bleeding Cool, much as we hate it, it usually comes to pass. So uh-huh. reading that, we're like, "Hush, you know, John's just lied to us, basically." And you know, yeah, we all died. A little bit when we read that comment, we were like, "What?" You and should have seen my timeline. E- David Finch wasn't even the artist on that book. No, and he deleted his account. So imagine what the stuff the people must have been saying to him. You know, the feminazis—they came out of oh, a woodwork yeah. from that one. I bet they did. And and I mean, listen, I said things, but I didn't say it to the writers and stuff. I was like. Meredith Finch single-handedly butchered Wonder Woman to the point where she was holding a teddy bear and crying, breaking point, right? And, I mean, then some people came at me and they're like, what's wrong with Meredith Finch writes the Lois Lane company? That was one person, wasn't it? It was one person who has two accounts, but anyway. Okay. um, So I thought it was more than one person until I learned it was the same person. Um, and I was like, the heck did you fall on your head when you were born or something? But literally everybody on my timeline went into a panic. A real, real panic. I've never seen so much love and attention for Lois Lane because everyone said no. No, yeah. no, no. And then no, 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 no. I, I, I have to. And then I deleted all my tweets once I found out it was a hoax. All of them I went onto my app and I was like, delete, 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 delete. And I said, yeah, it's a rumor. It's not happening. And then people were like, oh, I can go to sleep without you know taking ten shots of whiskey or something. Well, and I saw Veronica say that it was a, it wasn't true. That she's been reading the forums. At CBR, and she said no. Well, I don't read CBR forums. I, mean, I know, but she was she was conveying that information. She said no. The friend of Rich's was pulling a prank. We're like, oh, right, okay. Right. 
But yeah. the, that was too late. We were already in our panic state by then. We were like, no, this is happening. DC hates us. DC stabbing us in the heart again. Um, I think we're just used to panic mode. <laughs> well, we're used to abuse. Let's put it that way. True. True. Um, so, um, after the rebirth, also we get new number ones, which ship. Okay, this says twice monthly, which is different than biweekly, believe it or not. So mm-hmm. there's only going to be 24 issues per year if they continue twice monthly. Aquaman number one, Batman number one, The Flash number one, Green Arrow number one, Green Lanterns number one, Superman number one, and Wonder Woman number one. Um, new issues will be Action Comics number 957 and Detective Comics number 934. Now it's June. Um, July, Rebirth Specials, Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, The Hellblazer, no longer mentioning Constantine, Justice League, (laughs) Nightwing, Red Hood and the Outlaws. Really? Seriously? Apparently, Um, you know, Scott Lobdell has his fan club there. (laughs) Well, yeah. Um, let's see, who else? Uh, number one issues twice monthly: Hal Jordan, Green Lantern Corps, Justice League, and Nightwing. Uh, number one issues shipping monthly: Batgirl, Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, The Hellblazer, Red Hood, and the Outlaws, The Super Dash Man, and Titans. And do you want to tell us a little about what we've seen of Super Dash Man? Super Dash Man. Um. Everybody thinks it's going to be Lex Luthor um, after whatever happens in Dark Side War. Right. Um, because, oh, and another big thing is Jeff Johns is leaving Justice League to handle Rebirth. Uh, right. I think that's major. That's, like, huge because he said like, he's He doesn't have time, time to move both. Oh, true, true. I mean, he's a busy man. We just listed his, you know, itinerary of shows and movies that have to come out. But I think that him leaving one of their top ten books, you know, with the top ten artist or the top the top ten writer, and saying, I'm going to put all my energy, all my because I be, I think you really can see how much Jeff Johns believes in this. I think. Dan DiDio and Jim Lee went to him on their hands and knees into his office and they said, please help us, we are begging you. And he said, well, if you give me free reign on this, I will help you. And I think that's what we see now. I think Dan DiDio and Jim Lee sort of let the reins loose a little bit. on. You know, I've always said Jeff Johns has like both hands tied behind his back. Well, they screwed up every single one of his events. Starting exactly. with Flashpoint, hello. They screwed up everything that he's been doing, that he's been building. He's been building Aquaman up since Blackest Night, and they ruined it when he got to the New 52, so much so that he had to leave the comic. Um, you know, but the thing is, they've, they've time and time again not given him his due. I mean, Jeff Johns is one of their top writers. Everything that Jeff Johns has written has been a hit. And so I don't know why, you know, they're sort of like hindering him from being free and writing what he should write. 
And well, I mean, look at Superman right Exactly. I was just thinking about that. I was literally just going to well, mention the Superman run. And not to mention, okay, Trinity War, Forever Evil, uh, whatever else happened after that. I mean, they Let's, never ever allowed him to finish an arc properly. It all kind of blew into one another. Yeah, you know, Superwoman is still pregnant, for goodness sake. So I know. Um, it was a joke was two years to... ago. Now it's not a joke. It's just stupid. Yeah. yeah. Um, we can't even think of what she's giving birth to now. Um, it's a pillow under there, I'm telling you. Um, but, yeah, you know, I think that's major. What the Superman, is, what the Super Dash Man is going to be, I have no idea. I think it's Lex. And, you know, wearing an S on his freaking chest. There are three rumors that are going around. Two, which I completely adore and I'm okay with. Um, one is Lex, because after Darkseid War, he gets powers or something. I don't know. Forget that. Um, the I'm, second I'm one is... The second one is John Lane Kent comes back. From wherever he was, you remember he's lost in the netherworld of the the bleed and stuff like that. Right. Right? He comes back and he assumes the the duties of Superman because one of the Supermen in the whole Super League is going to be axed off or his powers are going to be taken away from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody thinks it's going to be uh, Flashpoint Superman that's going to lose all his powers. Because that's what he's being Well, that's drained. what people are saying, but we don't know. Right, but, I mean, that is fantastic. If they go in that direction, right, I don't know. I'd be happy with that. I'd be happy uh, with John Wayne Kent coming back, right? It it depends. And, yeah, it depends. You know, it depends. Dell's on the book. Yeah. And then I'm not going to go. Yeah, I'm not going to. It depends. Okay, because you still got Berganza doing Bob Harris's bidding, Jim Lee's bidding, then it's going to suck. Right, exactly. Of course, it depends on, on that, right? Um, And then the second rumor is that John Samuel, Kent Dash White, will um, assume the role of a Superman with his father's powers. Okay, what happened so, to the New 52 guy then? Uh, New 52 guy will be in Superman without Dash. Hmm. And then they say Flash, pre-Flashpoint Superman, our Superman, um, sort of transfers his powers to somebody in some weird thing. I don't know. I'm totally against Lex wearing an ass. I'm sorry. It no, I'm not one Lex. Listen, Lex Luthor should never wear an S. He should be behind bars. Yeah. At, like, Bellevue's Penitentiary. Right. And so. We still have more books. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> so, in the fall, we have rebirth specials of Batman Beyond, Blue Beetle, Cyborg, Deathstroke, Earth 2, Suicide Squad, Supergirl, Teen Titans, and Trinity. Okay. Trinity is, hopefully is not going to be called Threesome. 
because they're canceling <laughs> Batman, Superman, and they're canceling Superman, Wonder Woman, and Woo-hoo. to create this trinity. So hold up, Holly. What every. Every Clovis lover, take a shot of something strong, some alcoholic beverage. We survived the end of Superman, Wonder Woman, the book. Take a shot right now, everyone. We deserve it. <laughs> Party at my That's place. no guarantee <laughs> Lois is going to be back in the mythology. Listen, we lost the book. That's half the war won. No, Celebrate not really. Celebrate no. Because that us. book was not the beginning of the end. We all know where that crap started. And it wasn't in the <sighs> Superman Wonder Woman book. No, no, it wasn't Justice League. Right, which came out of the 2010 writer's retreat. You know, I'm sitting there thinking, Jeff was probably sitting in this room and going, you morons, you can't do this. What about, <laughs> the, you know, the legacy? And what about this? And, what, and, you know, I think, you know, the mafia went, oh, well, you know, we're going to do this. Because this is what mm-hmm. needs to be done. We need new, we need new ideas. New, 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 new. We're gonna change, 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 change. You know, I'm like whatever. It's just like fine. Don't. I'll see you in five years. You? Uh, I'll see you. Yeah, <laughs> it was less than five years. So, um, number one issues shipping twice monthly in the fall will be Cyborg, Deathstroke, Carly Quinn, Justice League America. Not Justice League of America, Justice League America, Suicide Squad. Now, remember, Justice League was supposedly the flagship of the New 52. <laughs> Not Superman I'll anymore, or Action box. Comics, uh, or Action Comics. No, it was going to be Justice League, and we all went, how in the hell is that going to work? Mm-hmm. And it didn't. So there you go. I got a, I got a bigger question for you, Holly. Well, the <laughs> I'm laughing so hard here. Um, shipping twice monthly, Suicide Squad. Who's rumored on Suicide Squad? Oh, Jim Lee. Like that's gonna fly. Twice monthly. He'll have twice to, monthly. Have, There's no way oh in my, hell. He's gonna have to draw his toes. <laughs> Just to get that stuff done. <laughs> that's the rumor that Jim Lee's doing Suicide Squad. We're all like. What? Now, if he just does the rebirth issue, yeah, I can see that. Because it's Mm -hmm. not due till, I don't know, what, fall. So he he might get it done by then. Um, New number one issue shipping monthly will be Batman Beyond, Blue Beetle, Earth 2, Gotham Academy next semester, Supergirl, Superwoman, Super Sons, Teen Titans and Trinity. Now the Super Sons, I could see John Lane Kent, John Samuel Kent, um, whoever else they want to toss in there too. Um, they can bring but, back Chris. I would no, I would never like not want Chris Kent in right. that. Chris Kent is the most underused Super Son of all time. I love well, John. Well, he became I something love, else too. I mean, yeah, but I mean. He, he became Nightwing, didn't he? Um, he yeah. became Nightwing, and then he got sucked into the Phantom Zone to take care, right. to make sure Zod and uh, Ursa and non, 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 don't come back ever again. 
and the man was like, no, and you're like, oh, but I have to, I'm your son, and I have to take my responsibility, and I have to do this, and I was finished, I was crying, I was like, kill me now. Um, the book that we're concerned about is called Superwoman. Yeah. Is this going to be Superwoman of Earth 3, or is this going to be Lois Lane with superpowers, which supposedly was part of the hoax slash rumor? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, why would Lois Lane need superpowers? That's so Silver Age and stupid. Mm-hmm. You know, but this is, you know, DCE, so stupid is like their middle name. So <laughs> we don't know what that book yeah. is about at all. Um, nobody said nothing about it, and we probably won't, you know, I imagine by the time we get the creative teams and they'll sit up there and talk about how this is going to be the best book ever, you know, we're sitting there going, you have to prove it. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. Um, I... I would want it to be a superwoman of Earth 3. Maybe we can finally get a baby out, you know. I don't know. Um, could give birth? But still, she's not going to do that till the fall. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Um, I don't want, unless it is a, um, the you know, Henry Cavill says this, a lot when he's talking about Lois Lane, she's a superwoman in the societal sense. Um, if it is a book like that about Lois Lane, about her being a superwoman without powers, I could fly with that if it was a Lois Lane um, solo series about her just being a superwoman in the societal sense, where it's I don't know, she tackled issues about femininity and feminism and all that sort of stuff. I could I could totally fly with a book like that. Do I trust DC to do something like that? No. No. Not in a million years. Yeah. Um, what do I think this book is about? I think it's it's a superficial superwoman with superpowers book. Um, who's it gonna be about? I don't know. Um, it could be, you know, some people were suggesting it could be Power Girl from Earth 2 because Earth 2 still exists. And maybe now she's just grown up and she's not Power Girl anymore. She's Superwoman. Um, that I would fly with a book like that. That, that could be cool. Um, but what I believe it's going to be is a superficial... You know, we need a, a super-powered female in the Superman mythology. And people apparently don't like Wonder Woman with him, so let's make Lois Lane have powers. Which is stupid. So stupid. Lois Lane doesn't need powers. No, she's already a superwoman. Um, mm-hmm. So, that's Rebirth. As far as we know, nobody's going to know. We're not going to know the teams for another month. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, you know, 51 and 50, 51 and 52 are kind of like lame duck at this point. Uh, you know, yeah. unless, unless, oh my gosh, they actually do some kind of build up. Hello. <laughs> which they've never done before. 
it's all light switch and flash pages. Yeah, if they actually had a story build up to what they're going to be doing in June, then hey, they're better off than they were. Um, let's see. The other thing, uh, there's a contest. DC has a contest. For some reason, somebody remembered that February 29th was Superman's one of his birthdays. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and so they had a contest, and you've entered it, right, Tej? Yes, uh, it's not so much a contest as it is just to submit your videos um, to wish Superman a happy birthday, and they're just going to do a... It's a celebration, let's put it that way, um, of Superman. And in under a minute, don't ask me how I did this, you're supposed to say what you love about Superman. Wish him a happy birthday. Say what you love about Superman. I still don't know how I recorded a video of... 35 seconds <laughs> saying what I love about Superman. Um, but yeah, um, I'm going to take credit for this because I told DC on their Periscope, um, there's a guy in DC that runs the Periscope and I think the Twitter account, I'm not too sure, the Instagram account and that sort of thing. Um, his name is Clark. <laughs> And um, he knows my my handle, Close Lover. And he said, he was with Jason Inman, and they were talking about the um, adult coloring book covers. And um, he said, you know, does anybody know out there when Superman's birthday is? And I sent him a message, and I said, on the live periscope, that the 29th of February is the day that he was born on Krypton, which is Kal-El's birthday. Um, and then the 18th of June is when he landed in Kansas, and the Kents found him. So that's Clark Kent's birthday. And all of a sudden, literally a week later, once I said that, you know, and, and the thing is, what, what makes it funny is that DC put the question out there because all these people were like asking, well, when is Superman's birthday? You know, and then they said, well, we're having a celebration of Superman's birthday. So I'm going to take credit for this one. I reminded DC Comics that he, it's his birthday and they should do something about it. Why didn't they just ask Superman homepage? Oh, they don't well, follow Superman, Superman homepage? Is that what they're saying? I don't think they follow Superman homepage, no. That's kind of crazy. <laughs> Listen, Superman homepage has been off for a little. I stopped following them, so let's yeah, not but talk still, about Yeah, but still, I mean, every, I mean, every day they list the important dates of, you know, the characters, the people that portrayed the characters, you know, their there's birthdays, a, when they die. There's a thing. It's called Google. Literally, you punch it in, and uh, FCS, uh, Superman and Lois Lane, DC, Woman Kicking Ass, and my Tumblr page pop up with Superman's birthday. So, and it's from the 1976 calendar. So if anybody wants to just hit Google, it's got, because I did once, one year, 
I cut up all every single date from the 1976 calendar, and I did a post every single year on everything that happened in DC Comics. And I said, never again will I do this because it ate up so much of my time. <laughs> so I just do important dates now, like Barbara Gordon's birthday, Supergirl's birthday, Lois Lane's birthday, and Clark Kent's birthday, and Superman's birthday. That's it. That's Nothing 40 more. years ago. Yeah, that was they did a anything long like that time ago. I doubt it, because obviously since they pitched the legacy five years ago. Well, you know, they ditched le- the legacy, so they ditched that 1976 calendar in the trash, you know, so they couldn't go find when Superman was born. This is the problem. Fans know more than they do. And supposedly these guys have been, well, the Didio's been with them since 2002. Jeff Johns has been with them before that. Uh, Jim Lee, well, let's forget him altogether. As let's far forget as he him. He can't even remember his But, I mean, what I'm saying is, is that when they don't even have anybody who knows this stuff, you know, is this is this the continuity that was just too oppressive to them? I mean, they have this legacy and they say, well, we're going to toss it out because we just can't handle it. Right. You know, DC what? has access to social media. They should have somebody, like how the fans do it, on their yeah. Tumblrs, on their Instagrams, on their Twitter accounts. We make the effort. We, cut, we go and find the dates. We do the, we do the posts. What's there if people who they are paying to do this do it and put this is Batman's birthday, this is Shazam's birthday, this is um, you know, Wonder Woman's birthday, this is when she was formed as clay, this is when um, you know the Waynes were murdered on in the alleyway. The 1976-77 calendar has every single major event that has ever happened in the DC history. Right. Right. It has Lois' birthday, it has Kara's birthday, it has Barbara Gordon's birthday, it has Nightwing's birthday, everybody, right? And more than that, it has, this is the day that the Green Lantern ring was given to Hal Jordan. Um, this is the day that Alan Scott met Hal Jordan. It has all that information, and you can get it online, it's, not like you have to go and, you know, it's not like rocket science or something. Somebody well, should take care and preserve right. this and right. do it online. Well, but it's like just, they can't bother to be bothered to do it. Well, here's the thing. Okay, if you collect comic books, there's a place you can go. The guy actually makes out a spreadsheet. And it has every single issue uh, that DC has ever published. And then you can put in, you know, how much you paid for it. You know, you know, and it gives what month it came out, what year, all that kind of stuff. It's a spreadsheet. The guy lets you have it for free. Okay. Mm-hmm. There are places you can go that someone has painstakingly sat down and said, okay, this story appeared in this book. But previously, in this book and this book, so-and-so appeared, and then, and then you know, it's like connect the dots. 
You know, when was the last time we saw Lois Lane? It will tell you, like, Lois was last seen in blah, 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 blah. You know, so, I mean, if if we can find that stuff, then DCE should have that stuff somewhere and on some big old computer from hell somewhere. I mean, come on. And here's the other thing. Back when they were going to make the Superman movie, back in the 70s, Mario Puzo had done, you know, he wrote the the book, The Godfather, and and then, you know, The Godfather came out in 72. So they origi- one of the original people that they had write the script for the Superman movie was Mario Puzo. And so he went to do his research, and he went to the DC Comics offices in New York. And mm-hmm. Elliot S. Megan was one of the guys who was writing Superman, and uh, Mark Wade always recommends his, um, what is it, Monday, something Monday, um, for for everybody to read who's going to write Superman. A really good book. I own it. Uh, but anyway, Megan and Puzo, and I don't know who else. There was maybe been another person or two. They went into the archives at DC Comics um, and were just reading comics and stuff and smoking cigars, apparently. Um, And they were just, you know, he wanted to just seep himself into the history of Superman and all that type of thing. So nowadays, what do they do? I mean, does anyone do that research anymore? Obviously, the guys who thought of the New 52 totally ignored it. Mm-hmm. So is there, and I know that Smallville had a comic book room, closet, because I remember we were talking to Q, and he sent us a picture of it. And it wasn't just Superman cool. comics. It was other people's comics, too, other characters' comics, too. So, I mean, they're doing research. So why doesn't DC Entertainment, you know, we have the best characters. Well, you know why they you have the best characters? It's because they have a history. They have a foundational story called a mythology. And, yeah, it's taken twists and turns over 70-some years for these characters, but the core, the core of the character is still true to what it was 70-some years ago. But no, they New 52 completely obliterated that. Well, this is how we want Superman to be perceived. And we're like, that's not Superman. Oh, yeah, there's no other Superman. And then John Cunningham, <laughs> two years after that, said, well, you know, Diddy always says, as Superman goes, so go the rest of the books. Well... The day is right, and we knew he was right. So what were you doing about Superman? Oh, here's DCYU. We got Superman in trouble. Whose mastermind idea was that? Somebody who obviously doesn't give a rat's ass about the character and apparently his own business. Now, if this is a power grab or whatever... I think the mafia proved that they don't know shit from Shinola about the DCU. They're too busy trying to marvelize it, too busy trying to wildstorm it. You know, let the DCU be the DCU. 
Let the characters mm-hmm. be who they are. Let Superman be Superman. Let him have his mythology. And here's the thing about this whole deal. And we thought this at the New 52, but we were totally naive. But here's what, here's the question. It's not about the character. It's about how DC tells the story about the character. They have to prove that they know this character so well that they can tell new stories with him. And the New 52 proved to us they didn't know these characters. They didn't want to know their characters. They they wanted to just, oh, it's going to be new and different. It's going to be gritty. It's going to be dark. It's going to be, uh, yeah, cosmic and epic. Well, you know, throwing a splash page every other page and not telling the story is not cosmic or epic. And character development didn't happen. That's why they didn't change Batman. Because Batman got to keep his character development from the previous years. Superman, oh no, could not keep his character development. This is why they failed. It's because Mm -hmm. their take on these characters sucked. It wasn't the characters that sucked. Much as they try to blame Superman for at the very beginning, well, you know, Superman's boring and he has all these powers and, and he has a perfect life and blah, blah, blah. You know, and it's like, who said that? The only people I know who were saying that was the administration of DC Entertainment. It wasn't the fans. But that's what they came out of the gate stating. And we're looking at them like, oh, my God. You guys have no clue. Mm-hmm. Maybe you'll get a clue when you utterly fail. Well, apparently, they got their clues when they got 22% of the market twice so far within the mm-hmm. six-month period. Well, it's only been six months. And Marvel is kicking their ass from one side of the street to another. And so they go to Johns, who's looking at him like, you morons, I tried to tell you this crap before. Then you stick me with J.R.J.R. on the Superman book. And I'm trying to do stuff, and he's going, you know, I never liked Lois, and I never liked Gwen, and I never liked Aunt May, and I never liked Lois because her hair's the same as Superman's. I never liked Superman because he's boring, and I didn't like... Can you imagine Jeff Johns... Jeff would be pulling out more Can you imagine poor Jeff Johns? Poor Jeff Jones when he was saddled with JRJR. Yeah. And he was like, oh, my God, you know nothing about this character. Right. Other than he came from Marvel, and he was number one target. Yeah. Okay. Let's look at this. Let's look at this. Bob Harris, EIC for Marvel, who put him in the bankruptcy. What he's trying to do again at DC Entertainment, hello, the man should lose his job. That's all I'm saying. I don't care how many connections he has. I don't care how many, you know, millions he has. That's the millions. That's mm-hmm. minions. Okay. He's EIC from Marvel. Who's his number one hit? hit? 
from the 90s. Okay, Batman and Superman, right? That's his two targets, right? Okay, the Didio is never going to allow them to bring down Superman or Batman, okay? Jim Lee. Last of Marvel. So he can make his own company. And so what's he do? He makes a character that's a type of Superman, except for his moral core, Mr. Majestic. So when Jim Lee comes to be co-pub with his editor-in-chief, now from Wildstorm, Bob Harris, who's going to be the number one target? Superman. Yeah. From decades of this, you can't, you know, they're not going to change your mind just because, oh, well, now we're writing him, and and so he's going to be great. You know, he's a great guy. No. They've hated him for two decades. They're going to continue to hate him. Right. And, I mean, you can see the unexcitement in, or inexcitement in, Jim Lee's eyes whenever he has to talk about Superman. It's like he just doesn't get this character. He absolutely doesn't get this character. And, you know, talking about legacy and history, you know, over at the movies, they're trying so hard to build this world that they can give the audiences, these movies. Simple things like in the map of Gotham City, they have Crime Alley. And in the map of Metropolis, they have Sullivan Street, formerly known as Sullivan Avenue. Everybody who has read a comic in the last 10 years knows what 1938 Sullivan Street or Avenue is. Right. Everyone, everyone knows this because when we all looked at the map and we saw Sullivan Street, we were like, holy crap, they're actually putting so much of effort and history into these backstories and the guides. And this is just a map on a Turkish Airlines website to promote the uh, partnership that they have with Turkish Airlines. Then they have, I mean, they have so many things in the books and side stories and stuff like that that you, um, it, it, it just shows you, and even the Man of Steel novelization, yeah. I mean, even that, it, it builds such a, a rich world that has characters deeply steeped in the Superman mythology. You can see Whoever is behind the 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 building of this world did their research, knows their stuff. Right. And that's all we want as DC Comics fans, is for them to acknowledge that these characters, you know, everybody says Marvel is the character that you... Um, Marvel is a character that you grew up with as a teenager. Angsty, got problems, that sort of thing. DC is the character you grew up with as adults because they are settled, they are 
They know who they are because of their rich mythology. And because of that, they add a sense of different heroism. They add a sense of iconism, you know. It's, that's what they are. They're iconic pantheons of rich mythology and history. And I don't understand. It's like saying DC, DC Comics, when, when the New 42 was announced, I said it's like the world erasing their history. No one yeah. does that. It's like religion taking the, you know, it's like Christianity taking the Bible and throwing it and chucking it out and saying, we're going to start afresh. You know, nobody does that. Because that book of history, of, you know, whatever it is, your mythology, your, your religion that you believe in, that history that you have defines where you are going in your future. And so I never understood why DC Comics took Action Comics, which is their Bible, and said 904 issues. I'm not, that's not the amount because we have annuals and we have other books. That well, 904, yeah, numbers. Let's just, 904, that's the number. They said 904 books of history, of mythology, of hundreds of people working on this book, of on this character to make him who he is in the world. You know, the Superman symbol, Zack Snyder always says that the Superman symbol is the most recognizable symbol in the world after the Christian cross. And so they took that mythology, that history, that richness, and they said, bye, and they tossed it in the bin. And we were like, what? How can we, I'm still dumbfounded at who said that is okay to do. Well, you know, here's the thing. Even when they did that, and talk about rushed endings for the longest-running comic, you know, number-wise, action. Mm-hmm. That was rushed, pretty rushed. Um, they just, you know, they just... Oh, I lost it. They just... They... You know, you don't treat action that way. Well, people said at the time, this is where I was going, people said at the time when they did that, they're going to go back to the old numbering system because they don't want to lose that 1,000 issue. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting there going, well, why even bother then? You know? But here's the thing. You ask, who throws out their Bible? Soap operas. America's soap operas threw out their Bibles. People had lived with these characters for generations, and they decided, oh, we want new people, we want young people to watch our soap operas. So we're going to toss all this history out. What does that sound like to you? This is something they did in the late 80s and early 90s. Oh, my must goodness. That's period for like it. DC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It must have been that, you know, I don't know if, you know, people got sprayed with some kind of bomb or something, but these are the things that they did. And they threw out the Bibles, and here are people who have been watching these shows for decades, sitting there going, what's this? He can't do that because he's related to her, and blah, 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 and you can't do that. And there's like, oh, it's different, you know. So Mm -hmm. it's, uh, yeah, that's who does it. So basically, that's what 
the new 52 especially, they just tossed everything out. Well, and, Okay, I mean, in a world where, okay, they've got a Green Lantern and Black Canary statue, right? They've never been a couple arrow. in the new 52. Yeah, Green Arrow and, and Black Canary. They've never been a couple in the new 52. This is how mm-hmm. bad it is. Ollie was off doing his thing, whatever. Remember his stuff in Flashpoint, right? Right. Dinah wasn't born yet. Her parents were on Team 7. Oh. (laughs) Which was another team book that they came up with the second half of the first year of the New 52. Team 7 was, I believe, a Wildstorm thing. So Dinah yeah, wasn't you know, even born yet. And right. yet and, now and they've now, got this statue. Where's Clark and Lois' right. statue? Right. Uh, that's the, the thing I um, I always tweet them and I always put it on their YouTube. And I feel like I'm the only person asking it. Uh, they have this line called Iconic Love Statues, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the first one they came out with was, get this, for a love line, this is what they came out with, um, Holly and Jacob. Oh, that's so twisted and nasty, it's not even funny. That but that's never an abusive be... relationship, okay? Yeah. That is, yeah, that is abuse taken to, uh, like, Fifty Shades of Grey abuse. Um, the if second they call one it they mad had, love, that's funny. But no, if they're actually taking that seriously as a love relationship that shows how freaking twisted they are. Right, and that's the first one they came out with. And they were like, oh, it's because it was done by legendary artist Alex Ross. And I'm like, well, how many... You know, Alex Ross did a uh, cover for Action Comics number one, the, you know, holy grail of comics he did where Lois and Clark meet each other. And he's like... You don't have to be afraid of me, you know. Um, where's our statue of that? Hmm. Um, the second one they released in that line was uh, Batman and Catwoman from Jim Lee's Hush, you know, the one with the big moon right. and stuff. Right. The third one was uh, The Fomance. Oh. And then now they came out with um, the the uh, Green Arrow and Black Canary one. That's based uh-huh. off the comic that was after their wedding issue. But this is how bad it is. People on the comments were like, well, isn't Hollywood Felicity? And I'm like, Jesus Christ, help me. God, God, <laughs> delete the comments. Uh, I actually replied to the people. I was like, Delete your comments. Delete it. Just delete it. And because people don't know that Green Arrow and Black Canary were an item before this. When you post the picture of their wedding, they're like, oh, my God, when did this happen? And I'm like, like go educate yourself. When Clark so, and Lois were married, that's when it happened. Yeah, that's when it happened. And Clark was well. Everybody was looking at Dinah on the on her wedding day. Clark only was looking at Lois, and 
It's a beautiful comic if you want to read it. It's a very funny wedding story. Yes, it's, it's funny. It's hilarious. It's oh yes, yes. Uh, it's hilarious. <laughs> um, um, but here's the thing. Okay, and, you know, we've talked about this many, many times. You know, after the announcement of the Fomance on August 22nd, 2012, it was a few days later, I think five days later, if I remember right, they came out with that stupid poll where their the number one. one couple... Yeah, the made-up... I mean, there was no poll done, period. Zip, zilcho. Nobody said, you know, you can vote for this. No, that wasn't happening. They made up some screwball poll said Superman and Wonder Woman were the love couple. And then... Mm-hmm. Here's the kicker. Everybody else on the list, except maybe for bats and cats, weren't even together in the New 52. Bats and cats really weren't in yeah. together either. They just had a hookup in cats. They had a hookup, yeah. Mm-hmm. But that was it. Ollie, you know, Dinah wasn't even born yet. Her parents mm-hmm. were the still Hawks. running around with Team 7. Um, Ollie, he's some old fart, I guess. You know, is he going to no, hit no. on Dinah, who's like a, you know, two years old? What? You know, <laughs> and, you know, there was no Hawkman and Hawk, woman, Hawk Girl because Hawkman was savage because he didn't have his woman, as we all know. Mm. Mm. Um, we have Dick and Babs She's were together. She's the only one that can tame him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no one was together. Right, Green Lantern and Star and Star Sapphire won together. Um, the uh, who, Joker and Harley weren't even together because Harley Quinn, in the first issue of Suicide Squad, said she's um, emancipated himself from the Joker. Um, who else was on that screwball made-up list? Uh, Lassie's and his battery powering. Yeah, wow. Okay. Uh Midnighter and um Apollo. The and Apollo they weren't even together. They they had like a thing in the young romance thing, but nobody knew who they were. Um right. who else was on that list? I don't want to pull up that list because I know. But I'll here's the thing. Basically thing. what that poll list said is Nobody's really together, and the only reason that Superman and Wonder Woman are number one and they're not really together yet is because we say they're together. Right. Basically, that's what that said to fans. We're like, they're together. Uh-huh. And, we're like, and then they go, well, we don't want this. This year, Valentine's. And then this year, Valentine's, they go and veto that, you know, and they like, well, the number one couple is Superman and Lois Lane, and all the Clovis fans died. We were like treating from the grave. We were like, "What happened? What happened? What is happening to us right now?" <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, but see, you notice that a Clark and Lois couple, love couple, isn't giving absolutely no fanfare whatsoever. You don't see them right. out there, you know doing their dog and pony show for all the media for Clark no, and Lois. No, we're not on oh, Good Morning not. America. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, well, yeah. You see, it, that's the thing is, again, I hate to say this, but Clark and Lois don't need the dog and pony show because everybody in the world wants them together. But here's the thing. It's been five years. Right, and isn't about ta- isn't like- it about time the DC Comics said, hey, we've come to our senses, and we're going to put Clark and Lois together. We know we've deceived you for five years, but now we're going to set the record straight. They are supposed to be together. That's all they have to do. Because they mm-hmm. basically, yeah, everybody wants them together, but we haven't had them together for five years. Or more, if you count long. Right. I mean, but you know what's the strange thing? Is that I still walk up to people and they're like, when you talk about Superman and Wonder Woman being together, they're like, excuse me? Yeah. Are you swearing me? Did you did you insult my mother? You know, yeah. uh, that's the like- face they give you. Yeah. It's like, it's like you they have a turd underneath them. their nose. Exactly. And then they look at you like you're serious, but they're so confused. And then yeah. you're like, don't read the comics, whatever you... And this is even people who are in the comic world. That's the strange thing that I found, is that people who I talk to, right, who maybe not regularly buy and read comics, but know about comics, own comics. When you tell them about this, when they watch something like uh, Throne of Atlantis on TV, they're like, what the hell is happening? Why is that even on TV? I'll tell you a very funny story about Throne of Atlantis. Um, It was on TV on the Valentine's Day weekend on the um, teenagers movie channel, right? Mm-hmm. And there were about a thousand posts on um, our TV channel's Facebook page saying, Do never show me this movie again. I see it <laughs> on repeat. This movie is crap. I'd give it zero stars. I'd give it negative one if I could. Um, because and they took it off screens because they got such bad reviews on this movie when they aired it. Because it was on like at, at, a, at like 5 o'clock or something, right? And they got such bad reviews for this movie being on air, they took it off. Because it was supposed to repeat on Monday evening at 5 again. And it was, it was taken out and it was replaced with Superman... Um, not unchained, unbound. Yeah. yeah, that one with Matt Boomer. Mm-hmm. It was replaced with that movie. Yeah. So the people in South Africa, I give you credit, you got some because the people tweeted in, they Instagrammed in, they went on Facebook and they said the the youth of South Africa is in the <laughs> right place because they screw said, you. Through this yeah. movie, we do not want to see it. We do not like the new 52. This movie is stupid. Do not show it again. This is not... This, a Superman is a douchebag. Because Superman is a big hero in South Africa. Right. When when you go to go and buy a t-shirt, if there's a new line of 
like there was a line that's coming out for our winter, whenever winter comes around, I don't know. Uh, we got winter hoodies that have mm-hmm. Action Comics, the cover on it. Right. It's sold out before the Detective Comics one. Oh, yeah. So, because, and they're, they're hyping up for Batman v Superman. They came out with Action Comics and Detective Comics, the, two, the first covers. Right. Um, and the Action Comics one, if I didn't buy it that first day that it came out, I wouldn't have gotten my size because right. it just completely vanished off the shelf. Right. So he's a big hero in South Africa, and people hate the New 52 version of him. Right. Um, they do, however, love the Man of Steel version. So it tells oh, you yeah. something yeah. about... It tells you something about the Man of Steel version versus the, the New 52. Yeah, Throne of Atlantis was not well-received. I was laughing. I was like, this movie is on TV. Ha, ha, ha. I want to wait to see the complaints about this one. Yeah, really. Um, I was thinking about this the other day, and I, you know, because I was watching some show, and it was just nice to watch a show where people were actually nice to each other and had hope, even though they were in dire circumstances. The characters had true character. You know, they had certain idioms that they lived by. Um, you know, even those those were tested. You know, it was good storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about how that relates to what we've experienced. Having Clark yeah. Kent, Superman, and Lois Lane together is something that makes you feel secure, mm. makes you comfortable, makes you, oh, okay, the world's all right, Clark and Lois are together, and things are going to work out, okay? That's what happens when you have a, especially a legendary love story, and that's what Superman truly is. I mean, stripping of all that, then you've got what we've got right now. Crap. But, Having Clark and Lois together makes the world not seem so bad. Mm-hmm. And in today's climate with instant news and, you know, people just going berserko on all kinds of levels and media and whatever, uh, you know, wars and more wars. And to have Clark and Lois together in a story for, you know, a few pages kind of takes the pressure off for just those few moments. And it makes you think, oh, well, at least the caretakers of Superman know what their readers want. I can trust them to give me a story you know, where these two people, the reason that Clark is an alien and Lois is a woman in a man's, quote-unquote, man's profession, it's because that creates conflict, okay? Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, I still remember that Jim Lee, Brian Azzarello interview where that guy says, well, Lois is, you know, the guy in the relationship and Clark's the nurturer and it just doesn't work. He's wrong. It does work. 
Who would think that a man that powerful with not much ego would be the nurturer in the relationship? Where Lois, and you know, a lot of people call her a bitch because of that. She nurtures in her own way because she, especially after she learns the secret, and that's this is what bothers me about people are like, oh, she can't know the secret, oh my gosh. No, it's better when she knows the secret because then they are true partners. Lois mm-hmm. takes up the slack for Clark, who can't lie all that great. You're no, a terrible no, liar. Yeah. I mean, you know. She I need to can, go to the toilet again. <laughs> yeah, she can make excuses for his absences and stuff like that. Um, you know, I keep remembering the, uh, I don't like Mondays. And I can't remember, was it Rob mm. who did that story or who was it that did that story? Where um, Clark has no powers. Is it Busick? Was it Busick? Uh, didn't he didn't he have his powers because he took on Toy Man in that story? Right, but he had just gotten them back. But right, he right. he he had all these notes and stuff. He had to be in three places at once, and right. he had yeah. just gotten his powers back. Because he had done so well as Clark Kent reporter, he was getting those stories right and left. He was never late, blah, 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 because he didn't have a Superman gig, to, you know, for a year. And Lois took his notes, wrote up the articles for him, even, you know, split an infinitive or two <laughs> and or whatever. And, you know, and it was all because it was their anniversary, you know. And Jimmy's like, what, what anniversary is it, Clark? And, and he wanted to go, you know in the ditch, and Clark's like, don't go there. That's not that. Um, But that's just it. They are a true partnership. They were a true partnership in, I would say, action number one. And people will look at me like I'm crazy. But Lois, Lois is where, is the pivot point where we get to see both sides of this being. Okay. He's an alien who was raised as a farm boy. Now, right there, you've got inner conflict beyond compare, right? Because you've got, it's the adopted kid story. It's the immigrant story. You know, you've got so many layers right there. And then to have him be in love with a human woman who is a powerhouse of her own, you know, she takes shit from no one. And if she's not going to take his lame crap either, right? Mm-hmm. So yep. this is what the Superman story is. Like Richard Donner said in the when he did Superman the movie, he says, if we get the love story right, we know it'll be a hit. Obviously, yeah. DC Entertainment doesn't understand that notion at all. Jeff Johns knows it because he was at one time Richard Donner's assistant. Not necessarily when they made Superman the movie, but later. <laughs> and you know, but I don't did I don't think Jim Lee ever gets that ever. I mean, mm-hmm. look at the relationships that he's created in his characters. 
Mr. Majestic and Zealot have a baby out of a ceremony. And she doesn't tell him she, she's had this child because then she couldn't be a warrior anymore. So her and her mother keep the baby away from Mr. Majestic. Now, tell me how that is a love story. And they never spoke of their ceremony sex. You know, how is that a love story in any way, shape, or form? It's not a love story. It's uh, We had to procreate for the sake of keeping our strong race surviving story. Right. That's what it is. Um, yeah. Anyway, just to interject there, uh, on our special day by Kurt Busick and Carlos Pacheco, uh, it is Superman 654, very easy number to remember. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a lovely story. It is a one-shot. You don't have to know what is going on. But if for anybody out there who wants to know what we're talking about, that is the partnership yeah. in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, Kurt the Busick, I don't know how you pronounce Busick. Um, that's how I say it. Um, he is one of my all-time favorite Superman writers because mm-hmm. he understands that it's not Superman that makes the story. It is Clark Kent and his heart. Yep. The greatest power Superman has, other than Lois Lane, is his heart mm-hmm. because he is just a good guy who was raised right by the Kents. He had a wonderful family. Um, he he found out he was adopted when he was about, I don't know, 16, 18, round about there, Um, because that's how the story goes. For most incarnations, the only time they tell him he has, you know, oh, it didn't really give birth to you. You know, he found you in the space shuttle was when he develops his powers, when he is a teenager. So, you know, that's that's when the Kents tell him because they never thought they had to to tell him that. Um, But he never let it affect him. He took a negative in his life. My entire planet was destroyed, and he turned it into a positive because that's just the type of character Clark Kent is. is He is an eternal optimist. He will always right. believe in the human race, even when we don't believe in ourselves. Well, um, yeah, and he believes in second chances because he got a second chance. He believes in hope because exactly. his Kryptonian parents had the hope that he would live a full life. Mm-hmm. The Kent's hope was to have a child, and the hope of the world has always been, you know, we want a savior. We need a savior. And Right, and... So it's faith and hope fulfilled. Right. And, you know, Clark Kent is the simplest guy in the world because the only thing he wants to do is do the right thing the way his mother and father taught him. Mm-hmm. He wants to chase this girl who thinks he thinks she is the world incarnate. He loves her to but I yep. mean, in that trailer for Dawn of Justice, he loves her so much he's jumping into a bath with his clothes on. Um, because he just wants to, he, listen, 
Clark Kent is the ultimate fanboy who married his celebrity crush, okay? Yep. He, he has the ultimate crush on Lois Lane, who is the big-time Pulitzer Prize-winning kick-ass reporter. Yep. And he tails around her, and he's like, go on a date with me, Lois. Go on a date with me, Lois. Lois, I'll take you to the speakeasy. We'll have a swinging time, you know? And she's like, okay, Clark, you've asked me 15 times in the last 20 seconds. I will go out with you. Um, he was the best. He, yeah, he, listen, I believe in the Clark Kent motto that if you do not pester your way with a with a smile, it's pester your way with a smile. Uh, that's well, the thing. It comes from if you first you don't succeed, try, try again. And that's and, he's a Superman. He, you know, he'll try one thing. If that doesn't work, he'll try something else. He just doesn't give up. And so exactly. Clark Kent, that's action number one, yeah, action number one showed us Clark Kent had that mm. instilled in him, in that he just kept after Lois Lane to go out with him on a date. Right, and I honestly think that is a farm heritage that you pick up, where if you if one thing doesn't work, like if you need to. I don't know, pick a fruit from a tree or something, you know, and you can't climb a tree. You know, you put a rake on and a bucket together and you try and pull the fruit and you try and get it from the tree. You try to get what you want. You don't give up, okay? And that is Clark Kent to me, is that his right. heart and his soul is always pushing forward. And the only person who he has met who pushes as much as he does, is Lois. She's going yeah. out there, she's getting the story, and he's just following behind trying to keep up. Yeah, Lois is always moving forward, so much so that Clark has to catch up. And exactly. that and is so, intriguing to him. He is freaking Superman. He has super speed. Yet he can't catch up with Lois Lane when she's in full tilt. Exactly. Yep. Um, I... We, ha- I think I had a conversation with uh, some he- Healy, I think it is, who's writing the the investigating Lois Lane. Oh yeah, Tim Healy. Um, yeah, and I said that's the thing I love about Lois is that she she is always a go getter, you know. And Clark just tries to keep up, and he's like, you know, that's where the saying "Our girl Lois" came from. It's from her going at it all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think, getting back onto points, um, the Marvel people just don't get that. The no. Marvel boys don't get it. They're like, well, why should we chase after a girl? We're Superman. We're rock stars. They should fall at our feet. You know? And I think it comes from, I mean, I have never met them, but their work that they put out, there's a sense of disrespect towards women especially when a man is powerful, you know, and we've seen that come across in Superman Wonder Woman. Yeah. It's it's because Superman is so powerful, Wonder Woman has to try the, uh, above and beyond and to the point where she comes out as being cold-hearted, um, where she has to keep up with Superman, right, and she cannot... And, you know, when she takes off her boots that have her 
that have her Justice League uh, com set on there. Then she screams at him. <laughs> you know, yeah. she screams at him for for going after Zod and Fiora on his on her on his own. And he's like, I couldn't contact you because you took your boots off. Um, so yes, in as I know. So, but you know what I mean. The world is a is a better place, even mm. for a few moments, if Clark and Lois are together in a book. I mean, don't when you watch Man of Steel, don't you just feel? Well, that's the whole point about a good story. It's supposed to be an escapism. It's supposed to be right. a world, a, a form that transports you to another place and time. Where for even if it's a movie that you're watching for two hours, you just escape and have fun. Is that not the point of entertainment? Yeah, to I mean, entertain you. Yeah, to entertain you to the point where you forget about your problems. Yeah, I mean, I go to movies. Not, I don't like horror movies. You know, reality's no. not enough. I don't need horror movies. But there are quite a few horror writers in in the comic world today. But Mm. I go to movies, and if they make me feel something other than disgust, then they're doing pretty good. You know, um, Man of Steel for me was, you know, when Lois follows him into the ship, I guess, um, and she gets hurt. You know he's not going to hurt her. It's that whole scene again from action number one, don't don't be afraid, I won't harm you. You know it's oh, Superman. Yeah. You know this is Clark. He's not going to hurt her. And when he says, you know, he nods at her that, you know, he's going to try to help her. And when he nods and she nods her um, permission, you know that there's a connection there. Mm-hmm. Because this is Clark Kent and this is Lois Lane, and and the actors portray that beautifully. So if you've never heard of Clark Kent and Lois Lane, you see that connection, and yeah. that's what we get from these stories. It's you know it's on a you know a one dimensional page, right? They try to draw art that's three to four dimensions, uh, but it's the connection that you have with the story and the characters and the characters have together. And that's what's been missing from the New 52, plus the legacy. But there's been, like, I mean, you know, what's Jeff going to come out and say, uh, we're going to bring romance back to the comics, you know. You hear all the boys, you know, it's like, you know, little boys. Oh, I know he's a girl, you know, it's that thing. Absolutely. So, you know what? I'm gonna say absolute rubbish to that because I had a well, con- yeah. I was watching the conversation after the rebirth announcement mm-hmm. between two guys in the age yeah. category that that um, DC is targeting, 18 yeah. to 35 year old males. Right. Um, two guys going at it saying how happy they are that there is a Lois and Clark book that's being mm-hmm. written by Dan Juggins. Because they only have two comics on their pull list from uh, DC Comics. One is uh, Justice League, because the one guy really likes uh, Jeff Johns, and uh, he likes 
the dark side war. And he said, the next one is Superman, Lois, and Clark. Yeah. And this other dude goes at it and he says, yeah, I only have Aquaman, Superman, Lois, and Clark. The other guy says, exactly. I only have Batman by Scott Snyder and Superman, Lois, and Clark. And I'm like, yes. And then I tweeted, as I asked them, can I tweet your tweet saying that you love Lois and Clark to DC Comics? And they're like, yeah, go for it, you know. Um, and so I tweeted it out to DC Comics. And I'm like, this is what guys even want. Here you oh, have yeah. three guys. And I'm not here, saying that guys don't like romance, but it's just... Well, okay, my son, case in point, totally gave up comic books. He had a 30-year habit. Gave up comic books because of Patty freaking Spivet. Oh, don't mention her. Splash page, splash page, splash page, dinner with Patty Spivet. Every freaking issue of The Flash. And he's like, no, this is not The Flash I read about in The Flash Rebirth. Yeah, they put Patty Spivet into The Flash TV series. Mm -hmm. And they killed her off so quickly. And they started pushing. She is. She's. She's. I think she's not coming back. Um, she's gone, but she's not. She's dead. Gone. She, yeah, but like she's like as good as dead. Uh, <laughs> like in my head, she's ever they sent Grod. <laughs> they sent her through a portal, and she's gone, because they started pushing the Barry Iris thing so bad that the actress who plays Iris, who is a lovely lady, was going on about how Barry and Iris are the Superman and Lois of the uh, Flash universe. And we need love stories like that in the world because it teaches everyone that you can have an equal relationship. And I was like, right. Yeah. Just keep preaching it, ladies. Just keep preaching. And basically, uh, we've criticized the New 52 for teaching everybody that you can't have a relationship. Yeah. You know. And you can't put that out into the world and expect anything good to come out of it. It's way cynical, for one thing. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, when Jeff said, you know, you might have met, met with some... Uh, a little being a little cynical, yeah, because you—that's all you guys have given us for five years—is cynicism about hu- the human race and your readers. They basically treated their readers like they're morons, and we will tell them. You know, we won't build mm-hmm. the story. We won't build the story of Clark and Lois, or even Superman, Wonder Woman, for that matter. It's light switched. We won't build the story because we think human beings are incapable of proper relationships. Really? You talk to your wife lately? <laughs> you know, and then they give us this crap about, oh, I'm married and I love being married, but, you know, comic book heroes. See, that's where they went. They went off the rails, man. These rules they start setting up come right straight out of the Silver Age, and then you know, wow, they don't have a clue. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. you know, superheroes I mean, should do their duty. 
Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, there was a reason what? there was this thing called... There was, a, there was a reason that in DC Comics history, there was this thing called Crisis on Infinite Earths where they reset the Silver Age. Right. So that they could do superheroes with lives. Yeah. And it's like you're taking... You know, if you're going with with Silver Age mentality, it's like you're taking ten steps backwards. Yeah, you're well, not going and, forward. And it's also a matter of when I read Superman, Lois, and Clark. When I read Amer- well, not like well, the first couple issues of American Alien so far, I'm cheering for Clark. Go, Clark! Mm-hmm. Go! Do it! Get him! Hit him! <laughs> you, know, you know, I'm cheering for Clark. In New 52, I never cheered for him. No. In New 52, we were so desperate. We were like, kill him. Is his life in peril? Kill him. Just kill, kill him. him. Kill him. End, end the misery. I mean... Yeah. Put yeah. us out of our agony here. Yeah, the only reason we were angry with Lois Lane for outing Superman's identity was that so that Porter didn't kill him. You know, she saved his life. We were like, no, Lois, no. Let him die. <laughs> Let him die, we'd Lois. Be, we'd be yeah. better off. <laughs> you wouldn't be a betrayer. We'd be yeah. all happy. <laughs> you know, I, you, if you can't cheer a superhero on, then you got problems. And DC Entertainment has problems. And it all stems from that 2010 editorial retreat where I don't mm-hmm. know what drugs they were doing, what they were smoking, what, whatever it was. They come up with some really bad, bad ideas on a universal scale. Let's throw out the really? legacy. Let's throw out the romance. Let's, um, if we have any romance, uh, it's going to be, you know, genetically speciesism. You know, it's going to be, you know, basically it's um, eugenics. Superman and Wonder Woman have the best genetics, so therefore they should be together. We're talking Hitler here. Yeah, I I basically told Holly, to me, whenever I read Superman, Wonder Woman, and whenever I read the reasons why they should be together, matching colors, matching powers, it was like, Oh, so it's racism all over again. Well, see, I said that early on. As soon as they made that announcement, I'm like, I even said that on a DC Women Kicking Ass thing. I said, this is basically racism slash speciesism. Yeah. And some some guy went, oh, um, it is not. It is not. No, you tell me why they're together. It's because they should stick to their own kind. Exactly. That's what it is. It's bigotry. Yeah, I said it was, to me, as a person of color who comes from South Africa, who learned about apartheid, to me it comes across as racism and elitism. You know, oh, you're from this class, so you should stay with your kind. Yep. Um, And to me, that was a kick in the face of all these people the legacies of people, Mahatma Gandhi, Nelson Mandela that came, you know, and it's like you just, you know, even Martin Luther King, you just spat on all their graves 
all at once. How do you even manage that and still stay sort of in business? You know, um, it was, it was to me, I put it everywhere. I said it was like racism and elitism all rolled into one, and that's why I didn't like it. Well, people should not be together because they have matching costumes, matching powers, and they look alike. Well, okay, let's look at it from this perspective, too. If they do that, if they basically take the romance that has been over seven decades of an alien and a human and say, no, we're going to put him with someone of his own kind, all these people can yell for diversity till they're blue in the face. Mm. And right there was the first bomb that you knew you're not going to get any diversity unless a colorist puts it in. Okay, you have to have, and this may sound weird, but you have to have Clark and Lois together before all that other stuff springs from that. Because right there, you want to talk diversity? We're talking 1938. We've got a alien raises a human who's in love with a human. That's diversity right there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's get the foundation straightened out first. Let's get Clark and Lois together. Or here's the other thing. Basically, the New 52 said to me, we can't write the courtship <laughs> of Clark Kent and Lois Lane. We can't do that. We're not going to attempt to do that. We're just going to make an announcement one day that we're putting in with Wonder Woman. No build-up. No, there was no uh forward flirtation or anything like you're strong oh wow you know that just makes every woman in the universe cream her pants over that line come on i know holly is so romantic don't you think (laughs) yeah and so and this is what gets me they had to lie if you really read the comics there was nothing okay there was nothing, but they lied to the media so they could present this abomination, basically, of bigotry, saying, well, you know, characters should be, the characters are alike, so we they should be together. No, the reason is, is because none of them in the mafia appreciate a woman like Lois Lane. Mm-hmm. And they don't understand Lois Lane. They don't think she's hot enough. And they don't think Clark should have any introspection. Excuse me. You've got an alien raised as a farm boy who is now going to the big city to be a journalist and a superhero, and he's not supposed to have introspection? How does that work? It doesn't work because that is piss-poor storytelling. 
A mm-hmm. splash page cannot fix that. And that's you know why what? I don't you get, get 22% of the market. You know what I don't get is the actresses that have played Lois Lane. Mm-hmm. Noel Nell, uh, Phyllis, uh, how do you say her name? Phyllis Coates. Phyllis Coates. Um, Margaret Kidder. Oh, Margaret Kidder. Um, Terry Hatcher. Dana Delaney, who voiced Lois Lane. Yeah. Erica Durant. Um, heck, even Kate Bosworth. We'll put her in there. <clears throat> Amy Adams. Okay. Mm-hmm. All these women are freaking hot as hell. Have you seen their yes. pictures as low as... And I'm, and I'm sitting there. I know which which thing you're talking about with Jim Lee where you said Lois isn't hot enough. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, huh? how? How? What do you... What more do you want? I mean, just Google Erica Durant if you want to you know, be a bisexual woman and you're like, oh, okay, Erica Durant is what I should look like because that is one looking hot woman. Uh, when she jumped out of the cake in her little bunny suit, yep. um, Marvel, when she put on her little kilt in in um, uh, the one where they went to the um, cabin in the woods, uh, yeah. You telling me she's not hot? What even? Oh, the well, American flag one. Obviously, yeah, Jim on. is into superficial crap, or else he likes him barefoot and pregnant. I can't figure out which. But um, Lois is more than her looks. Okay. Hell yeah. In fact, yeah. in fact, in the Superman movie, the description of Lois Lane said she was not. Uh, as beautiful as a model, okay, mm-hmm. but she was good looking. She was very attractive. The other thing that the thing that is attractive about Lois is her personality. Believe it or not, mm. her chutzpah, her chutzpah, her energy, her um, spirit, her brain. Clark can always oh. count on Lois to connect the dots. That's like Jim Lee's perfect woman there. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. Um, the thing about it is, even in the Silver Age, when when Superman and Lois would have a moment, um, he was constantly telling her she was the smartest person he knew. Um, mm-hmm. That, you know, she cared about people, you know. In fact, I think it was Busick who described Lois as um, she has an analytical mind and a good heart. Clark has a keen mind and a huge heart. Okay, <laughs> so they they kind of play of off each other. Clark loves humanity. Lois knows humanity. Mm. Clark doesn't really understand evil. He uh, doesn't understand why people would choose that. Lois knows people will choose that. Okay? And that's how great these characters play off of each other. She doesn't put him down for love and humanity, because quite the contrary. To him, Lois is humanity. 
Okay. There's that adage that I don't know if I've actually seen it printed, but I always thought this. Save Lois, save the world, save the world, save Lois. That's how it works. And that's why the New 52 hasn't worked. Because Mm -hmm. you did not give Clark a reason, a singular reason, to save the world. The world's a big place. You know, just to be that altruistic, it's kind of like nobody can relate to that. But people can relate to, I've got to save Lois. Now, a lot of people say, well, does he save Lois first? Well, that's a matter of how you look at it. A lot of times he can save Lois first. But if the problem is so big that he has to save the world first, he's still saving Lois at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that's what people, some people don't get. You know, well, it's like Rags Morales says, you know, they're sitting down to a lasagna dinner and, you know, he's, you know, blah, blah, blah. He's got to save. She's a damsel in distress. You know, he's fighting robots. Well, they, he had freaking, he, he, this Superman was fighting freaking robots in his freaking book he was drawing. Okay? So, so what? He's out at a lasagna dinner now and that makes it better? What? You know, it doesn't, to me, it's the interplay of these characters that builds the mythology. And the reason Lois Lane was in Action Number 1, 1938, and was a pivotal. She was the pivot character. Because we saw Superman, we saw Clark, and then we saw Clark and then Superman, right? And we got to see how that all interrelated, and it was all... Lois was the pivot point. She was mm-hmm. what they played off of. She was the one. So yeah. why can't the new 52 guys understand that, or is it they just wanted to do what they wanted to do and the fans be damned? I think it's that. I think if fans be damned, we're going to give you what we think you should be reading. And basically it was, dialogue that a two-year-old could have written and I mean breaking point and you know flash pages of them fighting uh, yeah so, when, you, mm, when you got mm, a co-pub that's an artist you know rock star artist and, and his most of his minion are artists he's going to let the artist do you know, tell the story. Now, some of these artists aren't storytellers. They have to have actual writers guide them along. You know, they're, it's a cooperative cooperative uh, endeavor. But if you send an artist who's not really a storyteller off on his own, he's going to draw splash pages. You know, and that's all he's going to do. I mean, there needs to be nuance. There needs to be emotion coming from those pages other than angst and confusion. You know, there has to be something for the reader to connect to. And that was the problem with the New 52. They threw out the legacy, they threw out the relationships of longstanding, beyond longstanding, their legend and iconic status. They threw all that out for splash pages, angsty, dark, gritty, forever evil crap. 
And people were like, hey, I watch the news. I don't need to be seeing this in my comic book. Right. You know, if I want to read Frank Miller, I will go to the comic store in the dustbin and look for his (laughs) shit. So, but, you know, I... Even Morrison, I mean, come on. He's got, I mean, in action, he had moments there that were good moments. Okay, here's the kicker. Okay, Justice League 12. Now, remember, Grant Morrison is in England in his castle. Uh, It's not a big, big castle. It's just, you know, a house that kind of looks like a castle. Anyway, Mm -hmm. uh, he's riding away, and um, Rags Morales, is his artist, quote unquote? Um, he has to go through Grant's wife. Okay, Grant wasn't even telling George Perez what he was doing because Grant didn't want to hear anything from you know. Grant kind of knew what was happening, so Grant, being Grant, did his Grant thing. And as we, you know, as we read those books, we said nobody can edit. Grant Morrison, because he's going to be like when they were on the Buckaroo Bonsai set. Yeah, that's important to the plot. You can't leave that out. Yeah, I know that's a watermelon, but it's important to the plot. Okay. (laughs) So, Justice League 12 came out August 29th, right? Yes. Action Comics, yeah, Action Comics 12, which is still of his run, that's my probably my favorite book, where Clark has to save Lois by reading every single medical manual in the world in this one little dinky hospital somewhere, I assume, in Metropolis, <laughs> to to do surgery on Lois. Uh, why he didn't have some of that knowledge in his head as a farm boy, I don't know. But um, anyway, uh, and so, I mean, it showed their future, quote-unquote, and, you know, they were going to get married, and he just had to save Lois. That was his big thing. He had to save Lois, had to save Lois. So also the month after that in September, you know, you used to have those unique things at September, except they quit that, what, two years ago? Yeah. Action Zero, (laughs) the numbered volume that, we had to take an account for the new numbering for action. Um, was written by Grant Morrison. His artist was Ben Oliver. Amazing pages by Grant. Truly showed the spirit of Superman. A kid had stolen his cape. And we got to see why Clark was holding the bad guy in action number one by the neck. Um Clark Kent was so enamored of Lois Lane and her writing that Jimmy was like, whoa. He was like begging Jimmy for an introduction. Yeah, and Jimmy's like, Jimmy's basically like, should I get you to a room? Yeah. And, you know, the things he said about Lois. They hadn't even met yet. And Lois had read Clark's blog and really admired it. And Jimmy and her were in a taxi and they were on their way to go see Clark. And Superman, quote unquote, finds this kid who has his cape, who's in danger, and he saves the kid. And he, you know, um, it is a great issue. But mm-hmm. you have to remember that 
Action zero was after JL12. So who do you think that we wanted to go with? A Superman was like, I'm lonely, let's kiss. You know, no. Or would we want to go with somebody who's like, Lois Lane. Oh, she writes like voice. a ninja I the, film. I love the voice you just gave me. It was like that. So I was like, it's like, oh my, it's like near orgasmic. Lois Lane, wow. You know, it's total. <laughs> he's already, you know, he's already bit the bullet. You know, he's, he, you know, he wants her, you know, and all this. And then we get, you know, I'm lonely. I'm lonely too. Oh, let's make out, you know. Huh? <laughs> I just dumped my boyfriend. We can make out now. What? Uh, I send her going, no. Remember when we read that scene together and we were like, wait, that, and you asked me, that's it? That's what happened? And I'm like, yeah. That's awful. Oh, that was hilarious. So awful. But then to read Grant Morrison's next, the next month, you're sitting there going, now this is a Superman book right here. <laughs> I mean, every every relationship in that book, People enter every interaction in that book was Superman. Yep, still one of my favorite books, actually. Yeah. So yeah. I actually I actually suggest that to people because I'm like, if you want to know who Superman is in a one shot in the New Fifty Two, that you know, even though we don't get to see it, this is the only right. comic you should read. Um, and going back good. to your yeah, action zero was was terrific. Going back to your whole save the world, save Lois Lane, save right. Lois Lane, save the world thing. Mm-hmm. Scott Snyder gets that because in Superman Unchained he saves Lois, and then he has to go and disarm every single nuclear warhead in the world. Right. And he does it with Lois at his side. Yeah. He's still he protecting Lois. Yeah. He wraps well, her in the cape. Saves they're the world, flying yep. in the air. And then he's like, oh, crap. Every single warhead in the entire world has been released. I have to stop this. And she's like, I know you can do this. Right. And that's what gives him the motivation to do it, to actually yep. go out there and do it. And he saves the world. And well, then Lois Lane is there to comfort him. Well, and it's a trust issue. Okay, he has his moments of doubt. Because there's like, okay, I don't care how many superpowers you have. If every single nuclear device starts going off around the world, and you're the only one that can take care of it, you're going to have a moment there where you're like, really, can I do this? Lois. Like, you're going to break a sweat and say like, uh, uh, what? <laughs> Well, and because he always admires Lois for her mind and she, and the truth and stuff, and she looks at him and says, you can do this. Mm-hmm. She has that much confidence in him, and he's like, by golly, I'm going to do it whether I think I can or not. Because Lois thinks I can, and by golly, I'm not going to let her down. Mm-hmm. So bam, he does the super thing. This is motivation. This is character motivation. This is why Clark and Lois work so well. If you get that that basic relationship down and you understand these characters, what their attributes are, what their flaws are, 
how they play off each other, you're going to have a real Superman mythology on your hands. Obviously, DC Entertainment did not want a Superman mythology on their hands at all for the past five years. Yeah. And they've suffered for it. Thank the good Lord, because they should suffer for it. Yeah. When did Wonder Woman ever encourage him in that entire relationship? Never. You know what's bad? You know what's bad is that they had a beautiful friendship of a brother yeah. and a sister, and she yeah. did encourage him. She did encourage him on a level that a brother and a sister can only yeah. understand. It gave him somebody went, else to talk to. Right, but you need to make out with her to um, to get to have somebody to understand him. Right, that's what they forgot, and they took that and then they killed it, and then yeah. they took his relationship with Lois Lane and they killed it, and they gave up yeah. and lonely. And they basically right. killed his relationship with Bat. Yeah, there's no it's been one pretty confrontational. Us. I mean, you read Batman and Superman, half the time they're on at odds. And you're like, well, what's the dealio? Now Tom Taylor's writing something that happened previously in the five-year gap. And they're, like, getting along swell. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. wait a minute. How do we go from that to this other crap that we got for five years? And that's the same thing, the question we were asking now. Are they ever going to address the five-year gap in the Superman mythology in the new 52. Well, with Rebirth coming up in one, two, three, four, four months, yeah. do you think they have the capacity to do that? No. Well, that's just it. I mean, they've lost so many people. They have I disenfranchised so many relationships in real life with creators that they're in a rock between a rock and a hard place. Because people are not going to trust them anymore. They, you know, I mean, come on. I don't care if you thought they were part of your mob or one of your minions, and they just, you got, you just screwed them over, you know, a thousand times. They're like, these people have egos too, you know. You mm-hmm. know, Rob Liefeld had his own company in Image, and I think he may still. I'm not sure. I don't remember. No, I think he gave up Image. But still... I mean, it's now he's like, I don't know, he's doing stuff with films and stuff now, too. Yeah, well, and, Deadpool just came out, so yeah, he's a creator for that, so. Right, and so you just don't do this to people, especially if they are your quote-unquote friends, and, you know, you don't do that to them. I mean, hello, Wildstorm people are not used to, you will get it done, even if we make a last-minute change before publishing it. I mean, what? I mean, come on. We're talking Wildstorm people. And it's, you know, one of the co-pubs is Mr. Wildstorm himself, you know, putting on these demands that mean absolutely excruciating pain for people. I, I don't understand that. So now they pretty much, you know, they... People have remarked about how much bench they have in artists. Oh, gee, you mean you're not going to have a bunch of people doing splash pages? So then now, I suppose the Didio is going to have to go out and go searching for more artists. Or is Lee going to do that? And we've got Scott Snyder teaching people how to write. 
Okay, but right. Jim Lee is helping Neil Adams with a script? <laughs> What's wrong with this picture? Shouldn't Neil Adams <laughs> go to Scott Snyder? Scott Snyder say, sure, Neil, I'll help you out. Or what? What, what kind of help? Gus Knight will probably be like, "Oh my gosh, you Adam just up." He'd be such a fanboy. <laughs> he would well, fanboy I mean, all over that. <laughs> well, here's my question: What kind of help with the script was Jim doing? We're back oh, to that. We can't have Superman and Lois Lane, and Neil Adams was probably like. Oh, who are you going to put him with? Like, what about Wonder Woman? And Neil Adams was like, <laughs> Ten You're an idiot. <laughs> That'll never work. <laughs> How much more proof do you want, dude? You're 22% of the market, dude. I mean, He's people like, should have been fired. I mean, not once, but twice within less, in less than two, six months. I'm like, well, see, okay, it was October, right? October, November, December, January. <gasps> Four months. Four months. Wow. Yeah. Somebody should have been fired. Oh, but no. You know what? You know, no, don't fire me. We'll get Jeff to fix it. <laughs> Jeff will fix it. Jeff, Jeff. Like- will you fix it? Please, Jeff. <laughs> Jeff will yeah, okay. like, I have a million and one things. Uh, you know, he, he, like you said, I love the analogy of spinning plates because he's like, just add it. I'll add it to the one in my mouth that I'm spinning. Put it there, you know, <laughs> because I think Jeff Johns loves these characters so much. Right. And well, he cares. It, there's a genuine care for him. Yes. But here's the other thing, too. Jeff understands. That if the characters fail in the comics, it's not going to help TV and movies any. Mm. Okay? If you screw up the source material so badly, you damage the characters so badly, and I've been talking about damaging Superman and Wonder Woman since, you know, August, of, you know, 2012... If you damage them so badly in the source material, word's going to get out. And then you're not going to do the best job ever in the TV show or the movies. When they started the New 52, George Perez said that he did not want to work for films. He didn't want to work in films. He wanted to work in comics. At that time, DC Entertainment was in the film division. And there was stuff above the video that was coming down and say, you change this, you change that, you change this, you change that. Okay? So that had a lot to do with the last-minute changes, too, and people scrapping entire arcs because some anonymous thing above the video was saying, you got to change this. I don't care if it has to be published in two days. Now, why? Here's there's been my point since day one of the New Fifty Two. You don't use the comics for your storyboard. You pick the best stories of comics and either use those or parts of those in your film, in your television show, show in your character building, in other media. 
But you can't use the comics as a storyboard as it's being written. Okay? You don't know if an arc's going to succeed or fail until it's done. Right? Like, when people read Morrison, they say, wait till the trade paperback, it'll make more sense. But if you're reading issue to issue, you're going, <laughs> oh, my God. Grant, uh, help me here. Holly yeah. and I during Multiversity, we were like, what's happening? And then I remember I remember every show we did on that, I was like, well, I don't understand what's happening here, so I'll just pass it on to Holly. And Holly's like, oh, what do you understand? And I'm like, oh, do I look like the dictionary of Grant Morrison? But here's what I'm saying. They basically were using the comic books as a storyboard, and people were like poo-pooing me. No, sir, that's not how it is. Yeah. That's how it was, I'm pretty sure. They were, you know how when you make a movie you do storyboards and then, you know, Mm -hmm. that's what they thought they were going to use the comics for. As the story was being written, okay, they thought they could do a make it better from a film perspective if you did this in the comic, okay. It doesn't work that way. And I think we've proven that. Mm -hmm. Here's how it works. A comic writer and a comic artist make a book, make an arc. They make it the best they can without too much editorial interference. And because they love the characters, they know these characters. They're adding to the mythology. They're not detracting from the mythology. And people either love it or they don't love it. Okay? If they love it, then that's time for the film division or the TV division to analyze why that story worked, why it worked for the character, why it didn't. Use elements of that, if not the entire story, in what they're doing. But you can't use a comic as it's being written as a storyboard that you can change whenever you want because you work in the film division. So I think that was a wrong step right there because I think Robinoff wanted control over the comics and he wanted control over what was being done in the comics. Thus his minion, Diane Nelson, who knows absolutely zilcho about comics. <laughs> Oy vey. Which issue is this? Which issue is this? <laughs> God. I mean, we'll, if I was we'll that stupid about comics, down. if I was going to the Man of Steel premiere and I was president of the company, I'd be damn sure I knew what was going on. Yeah, like, action Google number one, 1938. Oh, Superman's having a 75th anniversary. Really? Why? Oh, here. Here's action number one, 1938. Read it. <laughs> I mean, come on. Do your homework, honey. I mean, I don't know what Ooh. else she's doing. Oh, the boys probably said, ah, don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. Yeah, they've taken real good care of it for the last five years, right? Mm-hmm. And Henry Cavill and Jeff Johns look at Diane Nelson like, excuse me? What just came Henry out was looking at him like, like, are you insane? Henry Cavill looked at her like, uh, what? even lady 
are you an employee of DC in any form in any way? She's the president of DC Entertainment. Really? You're seriously? No, really? And Did you pick this chick up off the street? Mr. Cavill. Mr. Cavill clutched onto action number one the entire night, and he only let go of it when they put it in that little display cabinet where um, Zack Snyder Snyder was the arm guard. He took a million selfies with that thing. He was like, hey, action number one, baby. Yeah, and, she says some pretty yeah. stupid shit. And I'm sitting there going, oh, this is confidence building right here. Yeah, no wonder like, DC when, Comics has trust issues. Well, I we better start talking about vibe. comics because we only got 45 <laughs> minutes. When I heard that vine, I was like, oh, my God, who is this woman? How'd she get her job? How'd she get her job? I mm-hmm. could be better at her than this. Mm-hmm. Okay. We put off action till last week, and then we had technical problems. Um, Basically, Clark has kryptonite powers now. Boring. Um. Mm. Yeah, but this is going to be their big arc. It's going to be Savage Dawn. Oh, whoopee. <laughs> and then uh, that's till next month. Uh, March is Greg Pack, Aaron Cruder's last month for action. Greg Pack's no longer writing Batman, Superman. Uh, Tom Taylor is. And then that book's getting canceled uh, in June. So um, Tomasi is writing all eight books. Or all four books times two in uh, April and May. So, um, yeah. So, action. Who cares? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's... Superman. If they make action an anthology, I would probably be more excited about it. I mean, I buy it every month or every twice a month because of um, if Clark's not in it. But basically, the <laughs> 52... Superman action books. Clark wasn't in it either, so. Um, there you go. Uh, we're also reading Claws, which if you want Superman, go get uh, Grant Morrison's Claws. Uh, issue number three came out mm-hmm. in February. Uh, and good you read. can understand what's happening. Yes, yeah. It's, very, it's English. He's, yeah, he's basically Clark, uh, but he's Santa Claus. Well, he's Claude. Yes. I'm not even sure what his first name is. But anyway, yeah. Um, but he got a thing for the evil guy's wife. Mm. Uh, and she's in a tower, you know. And he's trying to bring peace, hope, and joy to the city, the children. Mm. Like That's Superman. A good story. Yeah, like Superman. Mm-hmm. And he looks uh, good as well. So. He's looking good, honey. Honey, mm. honey. Um, okay. Also, last week we talked about Batman Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, Clark, the bromance continues. If you like Bats and Clark's repartee together, which is really funny. Um, they came up with this, uh, what was it? Bats said we should get, have a, like a, you know, secret work code for, like, if one of us gets in trouble, you know, and like what? And I think Clark came up with banana muffin. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> too much. And Batch is looking, I'm like, I don't think so. So, but later in the story, which was hysterical, I mean, Tom Taylor always makes me laugh, no matter what's happening. Even with Brutal, he made me laugh. Um, Batch gets in trouble, and he needs Clark, right? So he goes, banana muffin! <laughs> it's like, <laughs> too funny. So uh, Clark is doing the... Um, communication with the with the aliens and then Lobo shows up uh Bats has to take care of him, right? Yeah. Mhm. And um we're kind of finding out that the female who who died and drew the bat superman super bat um signal uh is the daughter of this guy and I think her dad is the one that's causing all this problem here. Right, because um, she's an explorer, and according to her father, she always left the house and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. and to go out and explore, uh, yeah. that was her thing, mm-hmm. and she always loved discovering new worlds, new uh, cultures, and all that sort of thing, right. and so she discovers something about a lost Kryptonian and right. she makes this trip to come and give this information to Superman. Along the right. way, she was assassinated. And she was killed with this slow-acting poison dart, which the two investigators, the world's greatest detective and an investigative reporter, discover. Um and so Clark goes to find this lost Kryptonian that she's talking about. Right. And he leaves Batman with the father. And yep. Batman discovers that the father basically put out this hit on his daughter. Yeah. Um, and Lobo is the one that carried out the hit because he's a bounty hunter slash mercenary slash bad guy. Right. Um. It's the new 52 Lobo, so he's the sorry, not sorry guy. And I'm like, ugh, I don't like Lobo. Well, there's only been like Um, four versions of him in the new 52, so. I counted, there's been more like five or six, but who's who's keeping count of Lobo? One of many. (laughs) (laughs) One of many, we don't know which one. Yeah. Um, And so anyway, Superman is trying to save this. Uh, lost Kryptonian, but everything we find out in the last page was set up. Yeah. The world's finest Superbat was set up by a bigger party because somebody has hired Lobo, somebody has hired this father with with um his explorer daughter and mm-hmm. somebody is pulling all these strings. We will find out hopefully in the next issue because that's the last one. Right, and it's all been set up for Superman to go to this lost Kryptonian who's been used as a energy siphoner to gather solar energy and um, give it to these other people. But I'm I'm pretty sure that's set up as well because right. he's been holding green kryptonite with him for goodness knows how long, and he hasn't been affected by it. Right, and he stabs Superman. In the S with the shard of green kryptonite, so 
Batman has stolen Lobo's ship because he blew off off Lobo's face. Mm -hmm. Um, And he escaped. He managed to escape. And hopefully he can go and help Cock before it's too late. Yeah, and I think the best line in the book was, and it's always about you, Clark. Mm -hmm. Damn right. It is always about him. Man, listen, I always keep saying, imagine the DC universe as Atlas carrying the world. And the people whose shoulders it rests on is the only heroes capable of holding that world up. It's Superman and Lois Lane. It's not Batman. It's why the DC cinematic universe started off with Superman and Lois Lane in Man of Steel to build their world. Hello. Hello, preach. I'm speaking from the Bible. <laughs> it's called Action Comics Number One. <laughs> yep. Okay, this week we got Superman American Alien Number Four. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, this was supposed to be quote unquote. So many in my mu- reviews. Yeah, <laughs> quote unquote. My lowest issue. Lois was Lois in the book. She was in the beginning. Clark was thinking about her in a strange kind of way in the beginning and definitely was thinking about her at the end. But Mm -hmm. when I read the book, I was disappointed. Okay. Mm -hmm. One of the things that kind of scared, you know, kind of put me in a little slight panic, if this was the only book that Lois was going to be in, this would not be good. But then you told me, hey, we've got these sketches by Manipole and Clark and Laura uh, are in a diner together. Let me put you out of your misery. Um, yeah. I asked Max, Max Landis, and he said, "She, we are in Metropolis. Lois Lane is part of Metropolis. Metropolis. She's right. going to be in all the books leading up until the final battle. Ah. So, Good. We'll be getting a whole. He said she may not be on every page of every well, book, which is understandable. But she's going to be, which is completely understandable. Yeah. But she's going to be in the story moving forward. Right. So, uh, because I asked him, like we were very confused about the cover, who's the el the old woman with the corn, right, right, and the young woman and that sort of thing, and he says. And he told me, think of it like a yin-yang symbol. Um, the old woman represents giving into the light, which is the young woman. And he says, you can even see they're at opposite angles to each other. Like the woman in pink is going up and the woman in brown, in purple, is going down sort of thing. Um so he says it's like a circle of life. It's moving into a new world. He says Martha Kent was the symbolism, the woman figure in his life up until now, and now the the torch right. is being carried forward by back to Lois. So yeah. that's what it symbolizes. He treated me like I was like I, I didn't know anything, but I took it. <laughs> Fine, um, whatever. Just as long as it's fine, as long as I'm my my questions are answered. <laughs> right. So, um, okay, there was a a few things I didn't like. Okay, there was a lot of mm-hmm. things I did like. Okay, 
So let's go through the book a little bit. And I know that you were like, oh, no, it's going to be great. And I'm sitting there going, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. I didn't uh, like the middle. Let's put it that way. I like the, the beginning and the end. Well, okay. I'm very protective of Clark. <laughs> but, okay, I get that Clark's from the country and, you know, he goes to the city. But we saw in earlier issues that Clark knows that the evil comes to Smallville and that there are evil people in Smallville, you know. So when he pulls up to the sidewalk on the wrong side of the road um, and leaves his... Oh, it's the right side for me. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. Hold on. Where in uh-huh. the hell is the steering wheel on that thing? Um, no, it's on your. It's on the correct side for Americans, on the opposite. Oh side yeah, it is. Me. Okay, so, so yeah, so he's on the wrong side of the road. You're not allowed to park that way in America. Oh, You're supposed to park okay. with the with the passenger side against the curb. Okay, but he pulls up unless it's a one way street, then he's cool. Okay, but he pulls apparently pulls up to his own apartment. He has, or he's standing by his truck with the door open on his cell phone, talking to Martha. Okay. Mhm. He walks into the goes back into the apartment, leaving his truck door open. Now, from what we can tell, he doesn't live in the best neighborhood, and you know, he just came the he just won this contest. He just came to Metropolis. So, you know, money's an issue. Okay, but apparently he has this apartment. Why he would let his truck door open, I don't know. Are the keys in the ignition? Possibly. <laughs> Didn't use his super speed. He seems to be going into the apartment to get his bag he forgot, which is fine, you know. He's only quote-unquote human. But he doesn't use his super speed either. So, but this bugged me. That he left his truck door open, possibly with the keys still in ignition. I don't know that any guy in Metropolis, even if he could, you know, uh, hijack a car, you know, in seconds, which if you ever go to the east side of Cleveland, it only takes 30 seconds. Um, or less. Um, you people but, are slow. Yeah, I know. <laughs> But the thing about it is, is that Clark would have the, should have the wherewithal to take the keys with him, especially if he's going in his apartment. Is his apartment keys not on the same key ring as his ignition key? Did he leave his apartment door wide open too? I mean, these are the things that bug me about this right now. Okay, so he's talking to his mom, right, and um, he says stuff like. Um, He's saying, oh, yeah, it's nice, Al. Metropolis is great. He's trying to make it sound like he's doing just fine, but he leaves that damn door open, possibly with the keys in mission. So he says, no, I'm not flying. I'm not stupid. Then he goes on to prove that he is stupid. He says, I know you didn't say that. I say I was stupid, Mom, but then this guy walks up, sees the door open to the truck, probably sees, sees the ignition, keys are in the ignition, and guess what? He goes, yeah, the apartment's great. Oh, no, I know, Mom, I'm on my way. No, just other students who won the students, plural. This bothered me as well. 
who won the Daily Planet thing, some big shot guy named Louis Lane. That I'll get back to that. And he said, I can't really talk I I and he goes crap because guess what? His truck got stolen. Okay, this bothers me. This man has how many vision powers? Um microscopic, macroscopic, um telescopic. Telescopic. Uh all yeah. thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Thought super hearing can, Yeah, he can see the spectrum, the complete spectrum, yeah. um light spectrum. Yeah. So I don't care if he is on the cell phone to his mother. He surely could have heard the dude get in the freaking truck or, you know, I'm sure that door squeaks. You know? Uh, Why wouldn't he have taken the keys out of the ignition and locked the car, even if he had to go back in the apartment? Because, you know, like I said, in his apartment keys, on his ignition keys, you know? So his truck got stolen. But... The mm-hmm. thing that bothers me is, he says, no, just other students who won the Daily Planet. Now, to me, that meant other students meant more than one other student, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like five of them, I don't know. But then he goes, yeah, no. some big shot guy named Louis Lane. Now, why would he think Lois's name was Louis? Unless it was a bad tweet because we've seen that enough, you know. Let's say send him the them out on a tweet or an email when somebody misspelled it. You know, somebody put mm-hmm. in Louie and it changed, Lois, and it changes to Louie. You know, the autocorrect. Right. Okay, yep. we don't know how he was notified of the other students. I would have liked to have known, because right now, Doomcoff left his keys in the ignition Door wide open, fashioning his butt back into his apartment to get his bag, and got his truck stolen, and now he's calling Lois Lane Louis Lane. So, to me, it's like he's not that stupid. So, a little I more know, explanation I here. I know I where you're coming it. from. Yeah, I know where you're coming from, but I think the truck scene is cute because I don't. I think it. I was pissed. I know the freaking like, and way. I'm like, and I'm like, mm, hear me out, Holly. And you are like, no, no, you're not having any of it. Um, <laughs> I think what it shows is, yes, there was an issue of darkness where he was introduced to horrible people, bad people, the worst kind of people. But it shows that he still doesn't give up his naiveness which is something that we love about Clark, is that... Yeah, but this is borderlining on stupidity. When it, gets to the, when it gets to the Louis Lane bit and he left, I honestly thought he didn't leave his door wide open. Um, I thought he maybe just... Uh, you know how when you leave your house and then you get something and you go back in, but you don't lock the car and, you know, you just go into the house, get your thing like your phone or something, and you come back and you then get into the car and you drive off. I didn't know he, I didn't actually see this until you pointed out that he left his door wide open. Um, That's a bit careless and stupid. 
Um, well, okay, it made... but take your scenario, okay? I live on a quiet street. It's it's not a bad neighborhood. It's not, right. you know, hoity-toity either. I have, right. you know, they can see my car from the street. Even even if, and I rarely do this, rarely do I warm up the car and leave the car. If I do, I unlock the passenger door and sh- kind of shut, I shut, kind of shut the, the driver's door so it looks like it's shut. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then, then you know, I run in the house and then I run out of the house. You know, it's not, okay, I try to do super speed. <laughs> you know, I don't because I okay, I don't care if he was raised in the country. Let me give you some history. Back in the early 70s, probably before you were born. Right? Well, yeah, before I was thought of being born. <laughs> yeah, before your parents ever made out. Um I lived in Alaska, okay? And in Alaska, oh, Holly and her Alaskan studies. <laughs> yeah, but listen to this. Okay, here's how it was. Back in then, before the pipeline was being put in, okay, people would leave their houses unlocked. People would leave their cars unlocked. They even had a law on the books in the dead of winter. If you saw somebody walking alongside the road, you had to pick them up. Mm-hmm. When the pipeline came in. And somebody down in the lower 48, oh, yeah, there's tons of jobs up there in Alaska. No, these were specialized jobs, you know. And so they had these people just flood into the area because thinking they were going to get a job. Well, they didn't get a job. Crime rate went up, like, you know, at least 100%, if not, you know, five times that. Um. And people couldn't leave their houses unlocked. People couldn't leave their cars unlocked. And they changed the law that in the dead of winter, if you saw somebody walking along a road and you were a woman alone in the car, just keep on going. Mm-hmm. So Clark lives in the 21st century, okay? We have Internet. We've had televisions. He knows that the city is not the best place to be leaving your car door wide open with the keys in the ignition. Okay, this is not country bumpkin stuff. This is not naivete. (laughs) This is stupid. Okay, this has nothing to do with being naive, okay? I mean, come on. He's had to watch. I mean, if he was in the 50s, maybe. But he's been, you know, how old is he now? What, 20, 25? If he's 20 years old, he would have been born in the 90s, uh, right? Yeah, he's 24 because he's okay. gone he's born to, in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, you know, Montana, Wyoming, those, you know, kids don't get to go to school every day. have had computer school for I don't know how many decades. Uh, we have television. We have satellite TV now. We have cal- cable television. I mean, country bumpkins are no more pretty much when it comes to, oh, look at all the crime shows on TV. This is what not to do. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, I Max, know, I know. No, but you you lost me I on this still, one because I'm like, no. I still want to believe that it's Clark Ken thinking the best of people. Like, nobody's going to steal my truck while I go and get my bag. Well, that's kind of an elitist view, too. Nobody's going to steal my truck. Well, I mean, if no, it's junky well, enough, you're thinking, yeah, but there's always some poor soul that doesn't have as much as you do. Okay. Right, but what some, he means is, like, and he what can I get some money like, out of not, it. Not nobody will, you know, nobody, it's, um, how can I explain this? Like, why would anybody, you know, he wouldn't steal a car. You know what I mean? He doesn't but, expect other people to steal a car. I'm not defending it. I'm just saying it's the way I see something. And I think well, maybe Max was coming from this point of view. Well, yeah, well, probably. But let's enlighten Max so we can. Let's talk about the rural areas, okay? You think they're all, like, bucolic and pristine and they don't have any crime? Bullshit. Heroin addicts, meth labs. um, That's the worst places. People stealing metals so they can get money. Uh, Yeah. They're all coming out of the city going and, you know, raping the rural area and go back and get their money out of whatever they've done. Right, you know, the rural areas actually in South Africa have the worst crime rate, worse right. than the cities because, and the cities have uh, what we call uh, devastating crimes like, um, you know, bank robberies and things like that. But civil crimes against people, against your own man, you know, rape, breaking mm-hmm. into homes, all that. The worst is in the rural areas because people, there was this one thing where um, they stripped the the farmer's tractor of everything, even the radio he had inside that was a battery-run radio. They took the batteries from the radio just to get, and they took the wiring from the radio and stuff just so that they could get money. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yes, make sure yes. which well, century we're Max living Landis, in right now. Yeah, Max Landis doesn't live in that century. Apparently not. But I'm sitting there going, no. Because it just made to me, it made Clark look stupid. But, okay. And then the whole Louis Lane thing bothered me, too. I would have liked a little more explanation about that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Now if I can just get this thing to work. Okay, so he thinks Lois's name is Louie, and he asks his mom if her transit card still works. Okay. Well, uh, well, Martha was a vet, right? And she would have had... Why would she have a transit card for Metropolis? She lives in Smallville, right? Uh, it was in that back page of the... Um... Right, you know, but I mean, Martha's it's been a long time ago since she went to school anywhere near something like Metropolis. Yeah, something, something about Metropolis. I can't remember, but mm. yeah, I don't know why the transit card would work. You'd have to renew it, you know, once every right. six months or something. Right. And I, yeah, I don't know why he would. That was that was stupid <laughs> to me. I was like. <laughs> You could have gone and bought one, Clark. You could have bought a day pass. Mom, does your transit card still work? And she's like, I was in college. 
What are you talking about? I was in the chocolates when you weren't even born. What are you even talking about? So anyway, so I'm sitting there, well, there's three stupid things in a row. Okay. Now, for more stupid things, um, actually, this is interesting. This is what's supposed to make you think, okay? And basically, to me, we get to see Max Landis' opinions of... uh, Oliver Queen, which we know he doesn't like. Lex he Luthor. hates poor Ollie so bad. I feel so I sorry for Ollie. And uh, Bruce Wayne and Lex Luthor. Now we know... Oh, and he, he hates Batman, too. You yeah, can I know. He calls him a what, sniveling little brat or something. I don't know. Um, there's a meeting between Oliver Queen, Bruce Wayne, and Alexander Luthor, uh, which they're calling the Cerebrus. Um, meeting. Now, um, and he also gives a shout-out to Grant Morrison and Frank Quietly, mm-hmm. who did All-Star Superman. Yep. Okay. His favorite story, apparently. Apparently. So, um, Clark arrives and asks where the press area is, because he's won this contest, the Daily Planet, and Mm-hmm. Um, so he stands beside this woman, and she is like, this is garbage. And he's like, well, what? She says, we had to write an essay for this. There's a damn publicist up there. All our reports will be identical. Look at Queen waving like an idiot. It's all a show. Well, she's right. <laughs> yeah, and she says, it makes too much sense. Throw the students at a baby-sized story. Okay. So, he needed to take the S off of students. Otherwise, how could Clark deduce who she was? There's only one other student there, right? Right. So, this was brilliant. This proves that Max Landis totally gets Lois Lane. She, and this totally is her likes S- Lois Lane as well. Yeah. Huh? This is like... He totally likes and respects Lois Lane as a figurehead in the DC universe. Yes. And this is why. Okay, remember we talked about Lois's brains and stuff and knowing people? This was her essay. <laughs> the question was, I believe, framed as a trap. Why do I think Lois Lane deserves a place on the planet's Charlton Memorial Lariat program? Even in the asking, there's a telling. I shouldn't have to make a case for myself. I shouldn't have to prove anything to you. Surely you've already read my transcript, read my bio, searched me up and down and across. And if you don't blame me for saying so, you have either already decided I'm not good enough and this is your way of making me feel like I at least had my say, or you already accepted me and now I'm meant to garnish my success with some eloquent affirmation. Either way, I'm coming up empty. Okay. Which I, I thought was brilliant. I want this as my header for t- for Twitter. <laughs> this is epic, Lois Lane. It is. It's perfect. It's great. So then even the she goes picture, at, even the yeah. picture of Lois, Lois is standing with her scarf and her trench coat, and she's got one hand on her hip, and she is like superhero pose. Yeah. So, she says, see, we can do it on our own. 
Makes sense to weed out the goobers like you, sink or swim, very Darwin. <laughs> what a crock of, and he goes, you're Louis Lane? Okay, so right there I'm like, how did he figure that out? He obviously didn't, unless he read her thing. Did he get to read her thing or no? Or he just Well, she does have a name tag. She does? Yeah, and the big picture with the scarf. She's got a thing that says Lane Oh, it says on Lois. It. Yeah, it says Lois. Yeah. Okay, but then he goes, you're Louie Lane? I'm like, you doofus. Can't you read a name tag? She goes, Louie? He goes, I thought you were a man. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you hook up with Cheetah, but you think Lois is a man. That pissed me off. She goes, what? I mean, before I saw you, you're not a man. I see that. She goes, who are you? He goes, oh, uh, I'm, and of course, that's when the brilliant Oliver Queen steps in. As soon as I can get this thing to move. Um, yes, Ollie steps in and says, Bruce Wayne! Uh, and I'm sitting there, oh, no, we're going with this again? Yeah, I thought we'd just leave that alone. But no, we're carrying in the Clark is Bruce Wayne, who think Lois is a man, but he hooked up with Cheetah. I'm sitting there, I'm not liking this. No. Well, he said, he does, in, in his defense, he does say, before I saw you. I mean, obviously, I can see you're not a man. Yeah, but the thing about it is, is can he read a freaking name tag? Well, if you leave yeah, your door wide with open the doofus, with the keys and the doofus, we're going with doofus Superman here. Uh, I guess. Clark is a doofus. Superman is brilliant. Okay, what? He has to be wearing the cape. Oh, and that's the other thing, uh, which I'm not liking at the moment. But anyway, mm. he, she goes. Lois goes. Wait, what? What is this? <laughs> what is happening right now? So then. Clark is, to, as like an aside to her, while Oliver is waving frantically still. He goes, I was uh, Bruce Wayne once for a bit. And she's probably thinking, what a maroon. Uh, so then the editor reminds us that, you know, come on, don't tell me you missed issue three. Okay. So nearly knocking his glasses off, Oliver says, hey, I'll... And Clark goes, hey, Ollie, and goes, Bruce, you rascal, I should have known you'd be with the press. Let's skip this joint. I'm going to be late for my meeting. We'll talk about it on the helicopter. And he walks off with Clark, and Lois goes, the helicopter? (laughs) So, (sighs) Clark's getting an Ollie's story. Ollie's sad story. Oh, I was on an island, and oh, I discovered that. Oh, what's her mosquitoes? I mean, that remember that that episode with Ollie, and Ollie, there were mosquitoes, and I'm like, really? <laughs> that's that's your big deal. There were mosquitoes. Damn it! I'm like, what? Uh, listen, I will vouch for Oliver. Walking well, I know mosquitoes. Mosquitoes are the devil, okay? They suck your blood, they leave bumps, and you, you will die trying to scratch every... And they oh. will bite you in the most... In, the, the one place you cannot reach, like Please. in the middle of your back. <laughs> you don't have to tell me about mosquitoes. I lived in Alaska. They don't have snakes, but they do have mosquitoes as big as B-52s. 
In fact, there was there was a there's a famous paint, uh, painting of a mosquito lifting a Volkswagen Bug car by the front end and saying, "Welcome to Alaska." Uh, no shit. And so in the summertime, there's like a wall of them. I was walking in the woods, and I walked, and then went right through the wall before I realized. And it was, those suckers, I swear, they're as big as your hand. I'm not lying. Damn. And, <laughs> don't tell me about mosquitoes. mosquitoes, please. Mutant mosquitoes. Mutant Alaska. Anyway. They don't have snakes, but they got mosquitoes. So go ahead and read and, all of this um, stuff. Yeah, all of the story is, uh, shows you just how much Max Landis despises Gene Arrow. He's like, I spent I spent like five years on an island, and I was starving, and I had to eat bugs. And when I realized that, then I realized true hardship. And so now I want to do good in the world. And I'm like, oi, okay, you do not paint Ollie as a good hero at all. He is Batman light. What do you expect? So, you know what? The Arrow show has done him no favors either. Yeah. So, I mean, he even admits he's douchey. He was douchey. Mm-hmm. He's a little less douchey. Um, so, so, he does say things like that we think of as Superman. You can be more than who you are. That's the part that sneaks up on you, I think. That's what growing up is, becoming a greater version of yourself. Mm-hmm. So, um, and his goals is is simple, to do good for people and earn, his, earn their confidence, um, look good doing it, and I can be arrogant too, and nobody will mind. Well, that's an Ollie thing. He says, I think that's mm-hmm. what people call charm. No. So, the helicopter lands on top of LexCorp, and they get to meet Baldy. <laughs> oh, my God. He talks so much in this comic. I skipped half of his dialogue. Well, that's what this part you were supposed I... to think about. What they were the saying, the rich time, boys. The first time I skipped half of it because I was like, how many speech bubbles could Lex Luthor possibly have? He's a talker. Um, he, we oh, also see Mercy. Talk. We also see Mercy. Um, mm-hmm. And Mercy escorts Oliver to the conference room while Lex talks to Mr. Kent, who he finds out is working for the Daily Planet. Um, he Lex talks about fatalism and how he thinks it's self-fulfilling. Has he been reading the New 52? Mm. Um, he says, I think fatalism is hip and pragmag- pragmatism has gotten boring. I think dark futures are paradoxically easier to see than bright ones. Oh, who could they possibly be talking about? <laughs> Everyone talks about the problems of tomorrow, the apocalypse of next week, but whatever happened to the man of tomorrow? Hello? 
Mm. Why are um, we so... What? That is uh, Alan Moore reference <laughs> to whatever happened to the man. I mean, if you didn't get that one, Oh yeah. I don't know. Well, but plus, Clark is referred to as the man of tomorrow. What happened uh, to that absolutely. guy? Why are we so yep. convinced there aren't those among us who could maybe solve these problems that seem so insurmountable to the pseudo-intellectuals who pose them? Hello? We're scared to even talk about a hopeful future because we're terrified it won't come to light. Well, if you don't pump a little light into something, you're never going to have any hope. Hello? We're in some kind of global culture rut of focalism. I had to look that up, actually. That's why people won't focalism up as well. <laughs> that's why people won't talk about a big opportunity. Sometimes you ever do that. Okay, when uh, I come from a period in my life where everybody was about uh, positive thinking, uh, dreaming big, and that produces fruit, good fruit. You know, like if you have big dreams then you're going to get big things happening to you. If you have small dreams, lots of luck. Um, mm-hmm. But that, And I think that's what Lex is talking about. Everybody's afraid to dream big because they don't think it will come true. Well, everybody's had that problem since time began. The thing about it is, is you have to put energy into it, and you have to go after your dreams. You have to, you know, energize them. And that mm-hmm. way, that's how they happen, not being afraid of them, you know. So, uh, and I think that's true of the comics, this comic industry, especially Superman at the moment in the books. They're afraid to make him bigger than life. Mm-hmm. Um, Clark says, yes, because I'm afraid I'll jinx myself. And he goes, jinx, it's, he goes, ridiculous. That fear, that superstition that's built into us, it's an availability cascade. We repeat these mantras of fear and self-limiting until a what? Pardon? What's an availability cascade, Clark wants to know. He says, who did Queen say you were again? Oh, I think he <laughs> might have been screwing with you. <laughs> I'm actually just a student. I was going to tell you, but you just started talking, and, and then Lex clamps it, clasps his fist. And he goes, screwing with me? You want a quote? I'll give you one. People aren't important, not as a whole. Everyone runs around like they've got a big S on their chest, something else I didn't like it, for special. But the actual gift of genius, of work ethic, of aspiration is rarer than a white tiger. That's why we see people throughout history rising above the masses. Those are the changers. Those are the doers. You are not important. You're not. I am. Okay, so this is an assumption on Lex's part that Clark isn't a doer. <laughs> I think he's becoming a doer, if any indication of the latter pages of the comic. Don't you think so? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Clark goes, and why is that? He says, Lex, okay, so then here we go into this Lex diatribe. He goes, because oh, I am I am yes. ascendant because long after Oliver Queen dries up his family's money on his special little charities and Bruce Wayne overdoses and dies anonymously in some exotic sex <laughs> hotel. Yeah, that'll work. 
Lex Luthor will still be affecting your life today, life. Oh, your day-to-day life, excuse me. Still having a say at the tables you don't even know exist. Still moving silently and controlling completely because I actually care. That's kind of scary in a way because he can do that. He can do that surreptitiously. Mm. And this is probably why Clark always suspects it's Lex. Because there's underpining going on and he knows that this is the kind of dealings working. This is the way Lex works. So, So Lex goes on and says, still moving silently and controlling completely because I actually care. I am one of the chosen few, not because someone was nice enough to murder my parents or because uh mommy birthed me onto a throne, but because I am truly, actually, indisputably exceptional. I did this all myself from day one, and that's not braggadocio. That's an empirical fact, and you can publish that. I don't need people to like me. Clark goes, wow, that was, he goes, a little intense. Yeah, nothing personal. And he goes, no, it's all good. He goes, that'll turn some heads, right? And Clark says, I can't possibly thank you enough. This is really, he says, I think this is your floor. So Clark gets on the elevator and says, thanks again, Lex, Mr. Luther. It was really, and then the door's Shut and clunk. Right, Clark says. So he keeps punching the button. This is access denied, access denied, access denied. And he goes, great. So he's on a floor that's where the LexCorp kid zone is. That's where they've sent Clark. <laughs> and Clark's like adjusting his glasses and he looks and he sees all these kids playing in the room. And he goes, thanks, Lex. So, um... He's looking for a staircase, and all of a sudden he hears someone say, hey, and it's a kid. He looks a little older maybe than the other kids in the room, but not quite. And the kid goes, something's weird about you. And he goes, Clark goes, what do you mean? And he goes, something about your walk, your posture. You're six foot two, 175. Clark goes, wow, how did, he goes, but you walk like you're bigger than that. Clark goes, uh, I... And Clark goes, wait, you're Dick Grayson. And Dick goes, how did you know that? And Clark goes, your LexCore ID was sticking out of your pocket. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. (laughs) Clark, you're terrible. (laughs) Dick says, tell me how you did that. Clark says, maybe you're less observant than you think you are. Clark says, or Dick says, you're a reporter. You want to interview and Clark says, Bruce Wayne's ward, first interview ever? I'd have to be crazy not to. He goes, Dick says, if you can't tell me what else is in my pocket, you can have. If you can tell me what else is in my pocket, you can have it. So Clark's like, looks like he's sitting and looking at him. Okay. Well, Clark, you know, peruses his pockets, apparently. here's I love this section with Dick. This was probably the best section of all to me. Mm-hmm. Dick Grayson. He love, obviously loves Dick Grayson, probably the same way he loves Clark, because to me they're very similar. Mm-hmm. He said, um, he actually, Max Landis actually tweeted out, he said his two favorite characters in the entire DC universe he got to write in this issue. So there you go. I'm guessing, yep. Yeah, 
because there's a lot of love here. So Dick says, come on, Grace, and focus. So then he's making his deductions. Smells like smoke, doesn't smoke, took Metro this morning. Hair short, slightly uneven, cut on hair, windswept, suggests arrival by helicopter. Out of place, tone indicates confusion, loss, snooping, not supposed to be here. You can do this. Read this guy. He's easy. Midwest <laughs> accent, Kansas, central Kansas, new to the city. Shape of car keys in pocket, but didn't drive car broken? No. Stolen. Um, confident, unassuming, talks to child without condensation. Condensation. Condensation, really? <laughs> condensation. Two-parent household. Glasses real, far-sighted. Something wrong there. Second-hand clothing, middle class, why here? You want Bruce to let you come out with him? The fighting isn't enough. You have to get good at this stuff, too. Reporter, inexperienced, over-eager, probably a student. Bulging right breast pocket, recorder, light visible, recording now. So then Clark gives his deductions, which aren't really deductions, he goes, five prize tickets, a bouncy ball, and $3.91. And Dick goes wide-eyed. He goes, you cheated. I don't know how you, I don't know how, <laughs> but you cheated. So he does get his interview, and he's sitting in the like the playroom, the video game room, and um, he says, being homeschooled is actually pretty lame. Even in the mansion, you got to keep in mind that house is real, real big. There's no one to talk to except Alfred. Alfred, the butler. But surely, living with Bruce Wayne must be fun. Oh, I mean, it is, but he's just, I mean, he's like kind of a kid, too. He's always looking for the next party, the next fun thing to do. But I don't really know anyone my own age. Clark says, well, it's a weird situation to begin with, especially since he doesn't take interviews about it. And Dick says, right, I know it looks weird. But trust me, he's the least weird guy ever. Definitely the least weird guy in Gotham. (laughs) That's saying a bit. And so Clark says, notably creepy guys in Gotham, Carmine Falcone, Oswald Cobblepot, the Batman, and Dick goes, ha! They're being watched by a a camera monitor. So that's probably how somebody finds out a bunch of stuff. So Dick says, the Batman isn't creepy. He's just bawled at his job, which means bad at his job. He's eating pizza. And Clark says, how so? Because it's about balance. It's about balance. If the Batman did exist, keep in mind, I don't think he does. He's the boogeyman. Um, it's a smart move to become a fairy tale monster to scare crooks, but I don't know if it's ultimately a good idea. Clark says, why not? Well, he's all fear. It's been shown that, like dogs and whatever, they don't always respond to fear to train them. Sometimes they just get meaner. So I think Batman needs a counterpoint. Ah, and here we come to a really cool start part of this comic. Clark is like an eagle man. Okay. That line right there to me can mean two things. Eagle man, Superman. Eagle, meaning bird, or wing man, 
a robin is a winged is a bird. So, either way, when Batman is with Robin, he's a little less douche. Let's <laughs> put it that way. <laughs> and when he's with Clark, he's a little less douche because his darkness is um, reflecting off the light of Clark. It, it's the whole yin-yang thing again. And when he's with Robin, it's the same deal because both Clark and Dick bring hope to the stories. So mm-hmm. well, uh, Dick says, no, uh, what? Eagle Man, really? And Clark says, it was just, no, I mean, this is Dick. I remember, he's a child. I mean, darkness needs light. Fear needs hope. I don't know. Just something I was thinking about. And this basically is the whole superhero superhero, um, genre. Is based on this. Mm-hmm. We had Superman, yep. who was hope and light, um, made people aspire to be better. Then we had the antithesis of that, who was not a criminal, but was like more of like a vigilante, which was Batman, who was, you know, he owns the night in Gotham. He um, takes on fear for to have people fear him because he takes on this bat, you know, this symbol of fear, and. Um, he tries to understand the criminal mind. Clark doesn't try to understand the criminal mind. Bats does. And Mm -hmm. there's a thin line there, too, that Bats has to be careful that he doesn't cross. You know, they're always worried about Clark going rogue on his powers. Batman has to be careful that he does not cross that line and become more of a criminal than the criminals that he's trying to them do we haven't heard too much about that lately have we no never yeah i mean so, in the movie definitely but right and in the earlier batman early batman books that's what it was about you weren't sure if this guy was a good guy or a bad guy you kind of knew mm-hmm. when he was bruce wayne that it, he possibly his heart was in the right place but when um yeah, when, when um, you know, now, you know, it's, I don't know. I don't think they've gone there. So anyway, Clark gets the interview. He walks out with the recorder, and then he does his happy dance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is pretty funny. Super dork. He dances like a white guy. Yeah, he does his dork, white dork happy dance. Come on, let's move it. We're going to run out of time here, I think. Um, so, um, he's listening to Lex's interview, and, um, and he's listening to Dick's, um, interview, and when he gets home, he's sitting down to his laptop and typing up his article, and, of course, he's using a, I don't know, I thought maybe that would have been a Luther laptop, but maybe not. Um, all of a sudden his face goes into his laptop because this hand, gloved hand, comes from behind and this way, who are you? How did you get onto Bruce Wayne's yacht? How did you 
defeat Deathstroke. What do you want with Dick Grayson? Okay, now, how did he know about Clark uh, being Bruce Wayne on his yacht and taking care of Deathstroke? He had video footage from the yacht at he the end of the to. last issue. Right. So. Right. So, he also asked Clark, why is your birth certificate a forgery? Answers now, or... And then he goes, what? Of course, he's wearing the cow. He's in full Batman regalia. Clark grabs him by the neck, slams him into the wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so then Bruce tries all this stuff, all these little gadgets, you know, electrical. I don't know what else. Trying to throw a bomb at his eyeballs. It's still not working. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. And that's when... Clark rips his cowl off, <laughs> and and then Bruce says, "What? What are you?" And Clark's like, "I'm trying to decide which headline is better: Batman is real, or Batman is Bruce Wayne." Okay, Bruce, I think you've overstepped your bounds here. So he takes out like <laughs> a like a blinding batarang thing. And disappears. Yeah. And then Clark goes, where? And he still has Batman's cow. And he goes, oh, no. And he looks at his recording, and it's still good. So he still has his interviews. And so he gets a voicemail on his phone. And it's Lois. He says, hello, Clark. It's Lane. Lois Lane. (laughs) I hope you don't mind. I did some sleuthing at the Laureate program to get your number i'm going to get right to the point word on the street is you got exclusives with queen and luther well i got wayne the real one which is a big deal right so proposal yeah so because you must remember uh coxon said bruce doesn't do interviews well and hello not even his friends knew what he would look like Mhm. So, yeah. Lois tracked down the real one, got the interview. So, proposal. We collaborate. We're both already got exclusives, but if you combine them, that's more than front page. That's global headline news. I'm not trying to shark your story. I honestly think if you're going to do something like this, if you have an opportunity like this, you can't go halfway. You've got to commit. I mean, there's a job in this for both of us, right? Why make a splash when we can stir up a tidal wave? You want to do something small? Come on, Clark. Uh, Do something big. So this bugged me, and it's going to continue to bug me apparently because I've seen sketches. He puts on Batman's cow, but not just the cape part. Mm -hmm. He rips off the, the, the mask, and he... Puts on the cape. This bothers me. I don't think that Clark's mythology should feed off of Batman's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, next issue is Eagle. And then we got... Uh, Eagle the Yeah. The... Um, Eagle Man. <laughs> parasite origin. Vampire. Empire, which was one page. I still like his mixy yeah. better. 
But then I like Mixie better. Okay. Oh no, I like his uh, Mata and and. Um, well, yeah. John that was better. That well, that yeah. was the best in my yeah. opinion. So but far. they aren't villains either, so. No, no. So, okay. So, what do you think of the issue? As a whole, as a thinking issue, I mean, that's why the issue is called Owl. It makes yeah. you think. Um, you think as, of wisdom, but yet Clark's not too smart in the beginning. No, no, he's 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 not too smart anyway. I mean, he literally needs Lois Lane to inspire him into the light. Right. Um, as a Lois issue, as a building the Superman mythology issue, I think it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, because it includes people who we love. Lois Lane, Dick Grayson. I mean, Dick Grayson and Lois Lane are the people that inspire him. Mm-hmm. So for me, as a fan, I cannot ask for anything more. Um, <laughs> the first meeting of Batman and Superman goes exactly how it should go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Clark should always know he's yeah. Bruce Wayne from the very second he sees him. Right, and that's the, the mythology that I've always been introduced to because in the animated series, the first time they meet, Clark uses his X-ray vision, checks under the collar, and he's like, dude, you're Bruce Wayne? What? <laughs> Yeah, because he wouldn't know anything about. Well, he does. There's no Superman right now, so he doesn't know that there's someone that exists with these kind of vision powers that could tell who he was. Right, right. Um, I do love that Batman used his entire arsenal of batarangs. He used his uh, knockout right. gas. He used his flashbang. He used the electric, uh, the, his electric pulses that's in his gloves to ward off people. Everything and he couldn't get loose from Superman. <laughs> what are you? And um, yeah, what I loved about this issue is that I don't think it's so much of a clock issue. I think it's about the world around him and how he reacts to that. I think he's a very silent. He is the person taking us through this journey. And he's just like the silent partner in that. So that's what I liked about it. It's that it introduces us to the other people in this world. Because we've seen who he is. We've seen who he is. How he's grown up. What he feels. I mean, we saw him as a a nine-year-old who said... You know, I thought about that bathroom mirror. Somebody had to make it. Somebody had to put it up, and I just smashed it. We we know who Clark Kent is. But then and the last issue, seeing, we saw him as, you know, having a one-night stand. And moving Pretending to be somebody else. I mean, you know. But, but, but he, moves, he moves past that. At the end of the issue, it's... Um, I always call it the coming of age one in the middle where he had his fling, he had his experience, and then he grows up and moves on. And the reason why Barbara doesn't get off the boat is because she can't do that, but he can. 
Who doesn't get off the boat? Um, Chisa, Barbara Minerva. Oh, Barbara, yeah. Yeah, I. that's going to be awkward. <laughs> no, duh. You know. Yeah. But what I loved that's... about this issue, what I loved about this issue is a lot of people are reading Max Landis's book and a lot of people are getting this newfound respect for Lois. And to me, if that's what we got out of this issue, that we got a fantastic, Lois Lane is a fantastic character. Yeah. Screw everything else. I'm happy with that because we've been shoved aside as Lois Lane fans for far too long. I'm still protective of Clark. I mean, at the I know, beginning, I know. But, uh, you know, but him being in Batman's cape, I'm sorry, no, no. And then it looks like he's going to continue to be in Batman's cape. Yes, which I had a problem with as well. Um, and I don't understand why he put the S on his chest. Yeah, does he want to be because, special, like Lex said? Right, and why that S? Why that specific S that looks exactly like the House of L? You know what I mean? Right. Hopefully I'll have an explanation for it. Hopefully, yes. Well. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I read the three, the two billionaires things, and I read, you know, I saw what Bats was doing. But, you know, and I got a lot of stuff out of both, well, more so out of Lexus, because I think it really relates to how the world is right now. And... Mm -hmm. Um, especially DC Entertainment. But, and Lois was good. Lois was Lois. She was in the beginning. She was at the end. But Clark is kind of like, oh, it's not season seven bad. It's just, you know, it's that transitional thing. And you're like, how long are we going to be in this mode? Because I don't (laughs) think I can handle it. I mean, you know. New 52, they were in that mode for endless amounts of time. So I'm like, okay, (laughs) yeah. So hopefully, I mean, we have seen scenes from the next issue. Clark's Mm -hmm. flying now in this aviator, bulleteer, Batman outfit kind of thing. Whatever. I'm sitting there going, jeez, oh, just put him in the red and blue, damn it. Give him the red cape. He's no good unless he's got the red cape. Right. Well, we have to remember and bear in mind, Max Landis hates Batman. So well, I know that. But be, why... there'll be, I think there'll be a story about this cape, about him. I think the route that Max Landis is going in is that showing the world he's not Batman. And I think he's going to take off the cape and don a proper Superman suit. And he's going to explain why. And I think Lois will help him on that journey there. I hope so. Okay. Another book that we've been looking forward to, we got previews for, is The Coming of Superman. 
Mm-hmm. And we've got like five minutes to talk about it. <laughs> uh, I thought we got longer than that. For 9.45, we got a half hour. Do we? Yeah. Oh, anyway, yeah. maybe 15. Um, okay, can I just say that Neil Adams can draw himself a Lois. She's very dynamic in this, I mean, art-wise. She has, mm-hmm. I mean, oh, my gosh. And she's just beautiful in this, not in necessarily the movie star way, but, I mean, you actually can see, like, you know, she's alive mm-hmm. in these panels. Yes. Um, she's working for WGBS News, um, and apparently these the ship comes in, and it has these three supermen in it. There's three, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. they are there because of um apocalypse. Calabac. Yeah. Yeah, Calabac. So they land in Iowa. Kind of missed Kansas there, didn't you? Oh, but anyway, and they're happy to be landing. And one of them stands on top of the ship. Now, Adams had me laughing at this first, the second page. I'm cracking up. So he's reporting to the other two. He says, I see a good place to hide the ship. You two locals. There's two people. There's a farmer and his wife. He goes, you two locals, move along. Nothing to see here. And I'm sitting there, oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's the cop from South Park. And so um, apparently he has different color hair than Superman. And the farmer goes, Janie, is Superman dyeing his hair now? She goes, that ain't him, Jake. Must be some sort of publicity stunt. He says, well, they tore up half our field. She says, Got your phone on you? Take a picture, because nobody's going to believe this. And so they're getting ready to move along uh, on their mission, and they're lifting the ship and stuff. And she goes, holy cats, they ain't faking. Get a picture, Jake, quick. And that's when we find out, honey, our phones don't have cameras no more. You switched us to that senior plan, remember? You kept saying, who needs all that? Tweety, instant snap, hashtag crap. Happy now? Okay, I have to um, say this about that. My dad is 84. He has to have the top of the line smartphone. He doesn't do all that. He doesn't tweet Twitter. He doesn't Instagram. He does Facebook. And, but... The dude is like a genius anyway. But, yeah, he's got to have, yeah, he could never get along with just, you know. Although he says it's a phone. He won't even do text. He will, he says it's a phone. <laughs> but he does all this other stuff. I'm sitting there going, okay, Dad, whatever. Okay, so at the LexCorp Tower downtown, Lois reports, where trans-dimensional sensors are sounding alarm. And so it's the parademons hit it hard for dark side. Well, they got some hip parademons now. And Lois is like, parademons, the shock troops of 
planet apocalypse. Is Darkseid launching a new invasion of Earth? One thing's for sure, ordinary cops can't handle them. LexCorp's private army, on the other hand, is equipped for metahuman threats. I only hope they have backup. As it appears, something big is emerging from that so-called boom tube. So, it's Calabac. He coming out screaming, Victory for Darkseid! Victory for Calabac! <laughs> he shouldn't be saying victory for Calabac because Darkseid will kick his butt. But anyway, so, yes, rush to your death. So he's attacking the LexCorp army there. Is I am heir to Darkseid. Power is my birthright. So, yeah. So Lois says, parademons appear to be burrowing behind the LexCorp tower. What are they trying to get at? Stand by. I'm getting reports of new combatants joining the fight. We're going to a live shot. Here they are. Uh, there they are. Okay, so we have a Superman times three. We have a black Superman. Mm-hmm. We have a brown-haired Superman. And we have a blondish redhead Superman. And so... They're all coming in to fight Calabac. Um and the one guy goes, I can't believe we're I can't still can't believe we're doing this. And Lois goes, Are they Superman's clones, robots, or new Superman? So they're whacking at Calabac. Calabac Apocalypse, for your violations you will be sentenced to the Phantom Zone. Oh, we got a Phantom Zone going on. Ooh. Oh, Calabac, we'll have fun with you. So he whacks at one of them, and Lois says, whoever they are, they're faring no better against Calabac than Superman has in the past. Speaking of whom, shouldn't he be there by now? And that's how it ends for the preview. Mm-hmm. But so. it's action-packed. It's setting up a story. Mm-hmm. And it's vibrant. That's what I love about it. Yes, very much so. It's got a lot of life and energy to it. Mhm. Just everything, yep. the the drawings, the, the lines, the color, the story, everything is just, that's what I think I would use to describe it as vibrant. Yeah, you can tell it's done by a master. Mhm. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. Yep, that's next week. Also next week we'll be getting what, Superman, the Foment, this book, and... Clark. So we mm-hmm. get four books next week. Wow. Mm-hmm. Good thing we did the <laughs> show this week. <laughs> yep. Yep, 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 yep. So, wow. I don't know. And what, four weeks till, well, what's this, the 22nd? What is this? The 22nd? 21st? Yep. 21st? Yeah. One, two, Three, four, uh, four, four, four weeks and a few days till Batman beats Superman. Yep. So, <laughs> so apparently these Supermen that have come have a uh, Phantom Zone. They talk like Clark. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. I just it's just it's just a really pretty comic and 
I mean, I was laughing. I was enjoying the action. I was like, Calabac, you can't be doing it for yourself. you got to do it for your daddy, you bad boy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm ready. Four I'm books. ready for the and coming of the I've got one. most of those mm-hmm. on my... Well, i got two of those on my... Don't I? Two of those are on my... Um, yes, two of them are on my pull list. So I'm be forking over some... Yeah, I know the full man isn't under your pull list. <laughs> no! <laughs> It'll be coming of the Superman and Lewis and Clark. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Thanks for being here this week, Tej. And no so problem. I will go ahead and delete the other show since we can't hear half of it. Since <laughs> we can't hear half of it. Just hear my mouth going, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it was a uh, talk show and Skype had a problem between each other. Um, yeah. Because apparently the Skype app updated because, especially for the talk show stuff. So it was ah. like, they're like, the talk show is being naughty, you know. That's what happens like, when they do updates sometimes. Yep, and talk shows like, we don't know. They don't update. No, they so don't. Skype updates, hey, you're going to have to fix it for us, honey. So, yeah, there's, this stuff's pretty simplistic, so they don't have, you know, all these intricacies and stuff. and It just, you know, it works. And so, it works. like, if, yeah, if there's updates, then there's, you know, they have to do some kind of dance or something between the two of them. Okay, hey, we got that done in almost a four and a half hours. How about that? How about that? We got it done. Yay! Well, I'll let you go. Mm-hmm. You have you have a great week and get some sleep, kiddo. Yep, go going to sleep now. Go Alrighty. <laughs> Everybody have a great week, and we'll be back probably next Saturday to cover yep. four comic books. Yeah, one will just be like. <clears throat> Well, two of them will be because we got Fomance and Superman. Oy. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. Take care. Yep. Yep. You too. And good night, everyone. Night, everybody. If I could find my mouse, where's my mouse go? <laughs> oh, I hate this when it happens. I think something funky Shut happened. Mouse. Work, work, work. Where are you? All right. I'll say good night. Night. Night.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.